Audio. So, Ox Populi, episode 71. This week on the show, it's Danny, Sarah, and Zeke from the band Calico Loco. For more information on Calico Loco, you can find them on all the usual streaming services like Apple Music and Spotify, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and their website, calicoloco.com. You can also stay tuned after the episode for two tracks from the band, the first being the secret alternative mix to last year's Hole in the Wall, and the second being the recent I Want to Be Beautiful. And now help me welcome to the 71st episode of Ox Populi, Danny, Sarah, and Zeke from Calico Loco. things that I wanted to do, but none of them were taken seriously because my parents are very traditional and they just assumed I was going to drop any occupation and be a stay-at-home mom. Nothing against stay-at-home moms, but it's not my path and it never has been. Um, And so I explored a lot of different things and then like each and every time it was like shut down. Um, So then I just landed in like orchestra music because that was acceptable by my family. And then I was in it for a couple years. I was in education. I was doing music ed and chemistry ed because I thought I wanted to teach one of those. And two and a half years in, I was like, yeah, this isn't, this is not what I want to do. And then I was like, well, maybe I still want to do chemistry. Maybe it's just like this stage fright thing. So then um, I married my spouse and moved to where um, they were going to school. And I started taking online classes for chemistry ed and then I was subbing in the area and I subbed for like two years and I was like, I can't be a teacher. So it's been like a continual process of um, getting to know myself and what I'm actually okay with. And so right now I'm in graphic design, but I don't want to be on the computer all day. So I guess when I grow up, when I grow up, I want to work with my hands and do like meaningful stuff. Oh, That's you're still growing up. Yes, I'm okay. still growing up. <laughs> I, I'm okay. finishing graphic design in six weeks. Um, so I just want to get a job that's like with my hands and like maybe some managerial stuff. What were the unrealistic things that you wanted to do? When unrealistic? You... Yeah, the one, well, the things your yeah your parents shut down. For yeah. So um, my dad was in the Air Force, so I wanted to do Air Force, and my mom was like, no. And then I wanted to be a ceramicist um, in Northern Indiana. My brother was there, and there was a shop nearby that sold um, these like bracelets that had a uh, a clay thing on them that they just like stamped something on. It's called Mud Love, and with every um, proceed that they make they donate a little bit to like uh building clean water wells in underdeveloped countries and like that just hit me really hard and I was around it for like three years and I was like this is what I want to do I want to do something like this I want to be making art and like donating to help people who who need help and um and yeah my mom was like no you're never going to make it in art you can't make money doing art blah, blah, blah. So yeah. And then I was thinking about being like a writer and like a chiropractor and a veterinarian and all that stuff. And every single time it was just like, no, 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 no. So yeah, here I am still figuring it out. <laughs> Danny, Zeke. Um, when I was like a little kid, so my parents are like really religious and they like, they used to go preaching sometimes. So when I was like a little kid, I wanted to be like, 
a full-time preacher. <laughs> and, uh... Like you said, full-time, not full-time. Like, like, I don't want to just do this on the weekends. You know those submarine Catholics and Christians who only ever... Well, go. there are some who do that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not religious anymore. So I don't... So I, I never really thought about it up until, like, I was older. Um, and then I just... I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to, uh be like a video game designer but then I took one computer science class in high school and I was like oh this shit's too hard for me um so I just I don't know I just started teaching I just started playing piano when I was in high school and I got really good at it and I went to college for it mainly because I didn't want to decide on anything else I was just like I'll just do piano until I decide and I never did and I started teaching piano and yeah I guess I don't know I guess that wasn't the that wasn't the answer to the question but I don't know I never really like thought about it I guess I never, I never imagined, I'm kind of like, kind of like you, Sarah, I never, like, realistically imagined having, like, a regular job because, like, the religious upbringing, I just kind of thought that was, like, what I had to do, and then uh, I didn't really think about it, so. When you left the religion behind, was that a disappointment for your parents? Yeah, I think, yeah, probably, but, no, like, they're cool people, so they don't, like... I know some people, when they, like, leave this religion, their families, like, kick them out of the house, shun them. Mine didn't go that far, but they did call me a heathen at one point. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was semi-serious. That's like an honor yeah. <laughs> at this point. No, I, I wasn't bothered by it. Yeah, you, just, you develop a thick skin Being pretty quickly. Being is awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really metal. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's good to wake up every morning, like, being the family disappointment. Like, ah, <laughs> this is great. I feel like that's what our band consists of, is family disappointments. Are you all the, the black sheep of the family? Is I feel everyone? like a lot of us Six are. parents love him. Oh, yeah, my parents love <laughs> Well, it's time to leave the band. <laughs> no, yeah, my sister's probably the black sheep. But even then, like, we're both, like, pretty similar. Like, it's not like she's, like, outcast. I'm, I'm not religious. I didn't grow up religious. So, like, I never had that sort of, like, background with that, like... My dad's pretty anti-religious. My mom, like, doesn't care. She's just like, whatever. My mom actually went to Catholic school, though. And my dad... Um, my grandma made my dad go to Rick's College in Idaho, which is, like, a Mormon college. Yeah. And my dad hated it, because my dad was just, like, a rebel and just, like, an asshole. He'd wear, like, Led Zeppelin shirts to class, and they'd make him turn it inside out if he to get in, and he just wouldn't go to class. <laughs> he'd just leave after that and be like, no, I'm not going. My brother-in-law <laughs> is at Rick's, which is now really? BYUI. Yeah, BYUI. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. so they're fine with Led Zeppelin now. <laughs> yeah, because that was just taking back then. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's what he said. Zeke, what did you want to be when you grew up? Man, my answer is going to be way less, like, inspirational. When I was, like, six, it's I wanted to be... It's not a requirement. <laughs> it, the answer is the answer. I feel like ours were, like, anti-inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, but your interpretation was, this is so inspirational. <laughs> well, like, so when I was six, the first thing I remember I wanted to do as a job was be a zoologist, because I just loved animals, and I would draw a picture of me being a zoologist in, like, a rainforest with <laughs> a bunch of animals, and I thought it would be, like... Aww. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, for sure do this. Um... And then I don't know what happened there, but I just, like, stopped caring about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then, oh, and then I wanted to be on Food Network. (laughs) Because that guy, Fieri, like, his life looks so awesome. Just driving around well the country. Done, well done pronouncing the yes, last name. People how get it's... so mad when I pronounce it correctly, but I'm like, this is how you pronounce it. Wait, you're it. talking about, like, the flaming shirt? Yeah, yeah, guy Fieri with the... the oh, I didn't even recognize it. I thought... I, when you said his name correctly, I was like, who's that guy? Everyone calls him, like, Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Guy Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of different opinions going on in this room right now. <laughs> Wait, how do you say it? Guy, guy Fieri. 
Fietti. Yeah, you pronounce it sort of like a T and D kind of a thing instead of the R. Mm-hmm. Is he Italian? I think so. That makes sense. I mean, I would assume that's what his last name is. Cool. In Italian. But I thought that job looked so awesome. Just getting to drive around the whole country, try a bunch of different great food. And, like, he didn't really do much. He just would say catchphrases after he took a bite of anything. And it's not like he, like, described what he was tasting. And I thought that was an awesome job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, once I... I think it was 10 when I first got Guitar Hero. After Guitar Hero, that's when I knew I wanted to be a musician. And then from there... That's, like, what I knew I wanted to be always as a musician. Like, it changed from wanting to play guitar, and then I got really into producing rap beats, so I wanted to do that. And then now I'm back to wanting to do stuff with guitar. Um, and I also did a, a bunch of other weird synth stuff on my own. Um, but that was always, like, ever since I was, like, 10, that was the dream was to be a guitar player musician. What was the first meaningful impact of art upon your lives when you were young? And this could be anything for a lot of people. It tends to be music. Um, but I mean, the answers could be a variety of different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be like tied to what you eventually ended up doing with your lives. My family doesn't actually spend time together. And so the way that they have family time is they watch movies. And so movies were really important to me when I was a kid. Now, like, I don't even remember the last movie I watched. Someone asked me the other day and I could not remember. But when I was a kid, (laughs) they were very important. And um, the first one I remember ever, like, really, really being in love with and, like, being inspired by was Sister Act 2 with Wolfie Goldberg. And then, like, she was, like, like, teaching these high school students that were in this, like, you know, downtown, like, very low-income area. Yeah, it's a really, really good movie. It, like, it inspired me so much, and the music in it, like, would stick with me for forever, and I just watched it all the time. So I think that was, like, one of my first inspirations. When you said the movie name, I did... It sounded so familiar, but I was like, I don't know. I don't think I know that. But once you started describing it... (laughs) Well, you know it it under a different pronunciation. (laughs) Seaster (laughs) Act. For me, like, when I was a kid, I only ever played video games up until, like, I was 12, but I think the first time, like, the first art form to really click for me was music. And uh, it was it was My Chemical Romance, like, <laughs> the, the, the bee's knees. Uh, and I had, I got all their songs. No, no, no. Green Day Rock Band. Uh, that was yeah. the game. <laughs> for me, I was like, hey, that, I don't even listen to Green Day anymore. But, like, at the time, like, I played all the songs, and it was, like, the first time I really was like I stopped playing like any other video game and I just played that and then I got a, that ended up making me play you know real um, drum set because I like I didn't actually play guitar until like four years ago I started in college but I played drums and piano um, actually funny story about rock band my parents got me rock band like just just like on sale at games that they bought it for me but they didn't buy me the controller <laughs> but you can play rock band with the Xbox controller like you just have to like press the button at the right time. <laughs> So I beat Rock Band without the uh, without the guitar, just with the Xbox controller. But you can play the orange. You can't play the orange note. So I could never one hundred percent anything. But oh, that's rough. So that was how. Yeah, that was, that was my first. I guess video game. Video, I don't know. I'm not good at answering questions. <laughs> Calm down. It's okay. You're in a comfortable, safe space right now. It's all good. 
Seek, what about you? Was the full question was when art first made an impact? Yeah, first meaningful impact of art upon your life when you were young. And actually, you know, um, mm-hmm. what Sarah said is a perfect example of the kind of thing I mean when mm-hmm. I want people to answer this question. It doesn't necessarily have to be tied to music at all. It just, mm-hmm. t- it just usually is for a lot of people. Yeah, so I, I've been around art really my whole life because my grandma is a boutique artist. That's her profession. So I would always be watercoloring. Um, at their house, whenever I went there, or doing any different form of art there. Um, and my dad's really into music. He used to actually own his own record company in Arizona, a really small one for his friends that were in punk rock bands, and he would just make shirts for them and CDs. So I was always around art in that way. Um, so I always knew about art, but I didn't really understand how it could really impact people until I was in high school um, and got really into musicians like Tyler the Creator and Childish Gambino. And hear them make songs about kind of being an outcast, being different, and then realizing that you can be different but still do great things. Like, even though you feel like you're different than other people, like in high school or even as an adult, you can still use that to your advantage and there's other people like you. So that's when it really first clicked with me that art can be something beautiful that can really connect people. Like... um, like, if, you, if people really love one artist, then you already have that connection with them. You know, it's like, if you have this weird... Like, I love 100 Gex. So I know if someone loves 100 Gex, too, they probably like have some <laughs> some weird taste in music like me. So it, it's a really good community, and that's, like, when I first realized it in, uh, in high school. And that's when it made a big impact on me. It is, it's an important thing you brought up, the idea of, you know, you can be different and do something important. Because it's really... Mainly the people who are different that end up doing the most mm-hmm. important things. Everybody else who kind of fall within the same kind of homogenous lines, they don't really do anything special. So it's sort of like the outcasts. It's sort of like the different people who are almost always the ones that are doing something great in every part of society. And yet that recognition is never there. Mm-hmm. So how have you expressed yourselves through art and creation at different points of your lives, knowing that we've talked a little bit about this already, but just like uh, a lot of different things that you may have tried over time? I've tried like everything. Like literally. <laughs> we know that, definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was actually talking to my sister this summer about that a lot, because she was like, ever since you were a kid, I thought you were going to be like a fine artist. And I never thought about myself that way my entire life. Like, I I would think about myself as, like, a ceramicist or whatever. And, like, so when my parents would, like, go to church on Sunday mornings afterwards, they would, like, take a nap. And between the ages of I need a daily nap because I'm a baby and I need a daily nap because I'm tired, (laughs) in that age range, every Sunday afternoon while my my family would take the post-church nap, I would, like, paint on paper plates. Like, we didn't have canvases. We didn't have multimedia paper. I didn't even know what that was. Um, I just knew that if I painted on the copy paper, it would get all gross and weird. So we had these paper plates and we had this, like, shitty acrylic set. And I would would just play with the colors for, like, hours. And then before, like, I would hear them start to stir. And I would throw it all away before they could see it. My God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, I was a pretty traumatized kid. Um, And... uh, (laughs) You tried to move on from that quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I was a pretty traumatized kid. Okay, moving on. And, yeah, so I just never thought about, like, fine art as what I wanted to do because it was never supported in my home. And um, so I, I, I was forced to learn piano before I could learn how to read. And so I've been reading music since before I could read. 
And then, like, I can't improvise still to this day because I'm still so, like, stuck on reading music. And so I'm working on that. That's something I'm, like, actively working on. Um, Sarah, did you just say you had to learn how to play the piano and read music before you learned how to read yes. human language? Yes. But Interesting. I did learn both of them. Yes. Eventually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I can read, I swear to God. Yeah. So, when um, I, so when I asked earlier if you'd all seen the questions... <laughs> I Sarah, saw them, mm-hmm. but I did not understand. I, I saw the hieroglyphs on the white page. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I I had to play I had to play piano and I hated it, so I quit. And I was still like painting and then hiding it and throwing it away. And then um, and then when I was in middle school, I was like, oh, I should probably get back into piano to like help at church. So that's why I got back into piano. And then like music and singing and stuff like that was the only thing like accepted. And so I just like dropped everything else, and that was really all I did. And then in high school I switched to percussion like I was playing trumpet and like French horn and piano and then I switched to percussion and then then I was in like the steel drums band and then I got into bass guitar and then um and then I majored in percussion and then I was like I love percussion but I don't want this to be my job so I I left that and now I'm back in fine art and like I don't know like I've been learning so much about the inner child and that's been really healing for me is finding those things that like brought me peace and helped me feel authentic from when I was a kid. And that's really what I'm rediscovering now that I'm in like a safe place. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, oh my goodness. I just was going to say, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. Um, so when I was a kid with like any kind of arts, my parents really exposed me to a lot of different arts, like art forms. Like, they would take me to, the, like, all the different art museums in Chicago. Like, so, like they would just take me down there when I was, like, three years old. Like, any time there was a free day, they would take me to, like, Open House Chicago, the DuSable Museum, the, the MC, yeah, the MCA. And then, like, with music, they exposed me to so many different music. Because, like, my, uh, my dad um, really likes, you know, like, salsa music. So we would listen to music in the car all the time. And I never really appreciated that because I, like I said, I just don't like to play video games. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, I wish I was just home playing video games. Like, so, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> um, uh, how have you expressed yourself through Iron Oh, yeah. So, like, is there a phone down there with the questions on it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh high tech. <laughs> I but, told you uh, I can read. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I ever spoke, like, when I stopped. Like, when I... I play video games all the time. When I finally got rock band, and I, I just... I just stopped. I just went full on music. I've tried doing other kind of... Right or, like, artistic-y things outside of music. You know, like... I'm... But, uh, in college, I double majored in, with an English degree. And I even wrote, like, a couple short novels that I'll never publish. Just because... I don't really feel like it, but uh, I've, I've done some writing. I don't really. It's so casual. It's just, I don't really feel like I, it. Publishing How bourgeois. It was like a senior assignment. And I was like, oh, I did it. Got the grade. I don't know. I'm not using the degree. But uh, I, yeah, I've done writing. I, I, For a moment of time, I wanted to really do, like, making movies. And, like, I would... We made some, like, short movies in high school um, for, like, some of our classes. But... I think a lot of the times I've realized I'm, I'm a little bit lazy, unfortunately. So, like, when it came to making the movie, they'd be like, oh, this is so much time, and I would just give up. Um, and same with writing. Like, writing for me, like, I, I like the idea of it more than doing it. And that's kind of how I just have stuck with music. Like, even when I'm working on something for so long, I don't get bored of it. 
it's so easy to like spend an entire day working on like one song and you'll just be like oh my goodness it's been seven hours and I've been staring at yeah. Pro Tools for doing and nothing. This, my dear, is called ADHD. <laughs> yeah. Music is the only time I get lost like that. Don't feel productive. Because, like, I'll work on... Like, I'll try to do my job. <laughs> and I'll sit there for ten minutes and just leave. <laughs> but if, I, if I'm making a song, I could sit there for five hours and not realize five hours left. Just because yeah. I'm so interested in it and actually focused on it. That's the mm-hmm. only time I feel focused is making music. Yeah, it's... It's rough. It's rough out there. <laughs> Zeke, what about you? Uh, oh, have you expressed <laughs> <laughs> Moratorium on the phones. <laughs> I've got the questions right here. Don't worry. I will repeat them to you. Don't worry about it. Um, I think I've mainly expressed myself with uh, art through my taste, really, for the most part. Um, I feel like I really just listen to a bunch of angry stuff from seventh grade on. I started out listening to heavy metal, then went to Nirvana, then went to Tower the Creator's in his angsty time. Um, and then, yeah, I only listen to angry stuff. Um, but strangely, whenever I try to create or make art, it always ends up very happy. I have no reason why. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's you just... You have no defense for this behavior. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think I just make happy music because if I make it, then I get in a good mood and then I'm happy. Because if I feel like if I make angry music, then I'm just going to be pissed off <laughs> playing guitar and staring at my MacBook, and that just would look weird. But if I'm making happy music, it just seems better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've always just, whenever I cr- make art, I want it to be happy, colorful, um, bright, and just, I don't, I don't know. I can't make dark stuff <laughs> for some reason. Well, it is important. I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. It's like, you know, you do have to be careful with like what you consume sometimes and how that what impact that has on your mental health Mm -hmm. because like i'm very conscious right now if i put like if i'm gonna binge a show have something on the background put a movie on it's like i have to be very careful to be mindful of what sort of frame of mind i want to be in or what frame of mind i'm already in right and if i'm Recognize that I'm in a place of kind of vulnerability in terms of if I watch something that's going to put me in a worse mood, then I avoid that completely. Like just the other day, I was uh, looking for something to watch because I always have to have something on in the background while I'm doing just about anything. Um, And I was like, I know I need something positive, but I've kind of gone through all those options. And that's when I realized, well, there's that Ted Lasso show. On Apple TV, I've been meaning to check that out. Everybody, everybody says that's a really good show, and it was the best choice I could have made because, like, that show is—it is singularly the most positive show I've ever watched, or the most positive piece of media I've ever watched. And it's like it's kind of a bizarre experience because, like, no matter what bad happens, things always seem to work out. And there's always a positive spin. And I'm just kind of like, wow, this has put me in the best mood I think I've ever been in. In a while. So I would recommend that to just about anybody. If you're being conscious about like what kind of media you're putting on, you can't do better than Ted Lasso at the moment. Yeah. Is Ted Lasso a cowboy show? No. Okay. That's the one. Football coach, right? Yeah, that's the one where um, Jason Sudeikis is uh, an American football coach who gets hired to be the coach of a soccer team in England. Oh. Yeah. That sounds so cool. 
It, it is. It's, it was, and the weirdest thing about it is that it was based off of like a commercial comedy bit that, it, like, a character he created for like commercials for like NBC, something like that. I can't even remember. I just remember see, saw it seeing like them years ago, and then all of a sudden they spun it into a TV show. So either way, worth checking out. Um, but anyways, so which forms of artistic expression and creativity do you wish came naturally to you? I wish writing. Like, I mean, it comes naturally to me. I just wish it, like, naturally was more fun for me. I guess I could say about, like, a lot of media. Like, I have, I've started a lot of things, but I've just never finished them. And it's not even the thing where I, where I want to go back and finish it. Like, I feel regret where it's like, oh, I really have all these ideas that are unrealized. Just like, I... I'll start working on things and I'll just get bored of it. Maybe you're right. Maybe I do have ADHD. No, we've talked about this several times now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that. I also wish dancing came... I, I, I really like to dance, but uh, I don't know. I, I love my family, but they always... It's like, you know how people, the parents do, they'll make fun of you. Um, so I, I never danced a lot um, because I just I, I made fun of... Even like, like not in a mean way. But I kind of do not want to do it anymore. Um, it's negative reinforcement. Yeah. yeah. But it's all, it's all good dance classes. I, I, don't I, don't need, I took I don't dance, dance classes. I'm, I'm good at dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gotten better. But like, I just, yeah, I want I want to get better at salsa music. That's what I like to, I love to listen to it all day long. But, and I feel like I'm fine at dancing it. I just, I just want a teacher to stand next to me and be like, you're doing a good job. All right, so get up and dance. Start dancing right now. We'll all we'll all start clapping. We'll start that positive reinforcement. Yeah. Or we can do that later. That's like yeah. the weird yeah. thing about my family because, like, I was in dance for like twelve years, and my family was like kind of supportive of it. But whenever I would bring up doing it as like a profession again, it was like, no, right. you can't do that. You won't make money. Blah blah. blah. And um, and so then. Like, when I was a kid, before I actually started taking classes, I would, like, bring everybody into the kitchen, and then I would, like, turn on a CD through, like, the speakers and, and dance for them. And my brother, James, was so mean about it. He was, like, incredibly embarrassed by it, even though it wasn't even for him, you know? And he just would be, like, trying to leave the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And he was the sibling... Like, there's seven of us. And he was the sibling that was closest in age to me. And so I took so much of, like, my life from how he treated me and so I just like dropped it I was like nope I'm done so yeah like positive reinforcement is great by some things and then in other ways it's weird I don't know it, uh, some art form uh, is also like weird like you're expected to be naturally good at it mm -hmm. like it's like with, like with painting if you're a bad painter nobody's gonna be like laugh nobody's gonna laugh at you yeah. you'll just get better but with, like, dancing and singing, mm -hmm. like, I, I, like, I honestly don't like singing very much. Like, it, it makes me nervous, and I, like, try to get better for the past, like, years. But it's, it's like, same thing with dancing. It's, like, if you're not good at it, somehow, like, nobody's good at anything without practice. But it's, like, it's got this weird stigma where it's, like... If it doesn't come naturally to you, then... You can't you, ever be good at it. Exactly. Yeah. Singing is one of the most vulnerable things you could really yeah. do, too. Especially if it's a song you wrote. You're singing something that's most likely important to you. Yeah. And singing already enough, even if it's not your lyrics, in front of people can be super vulnerable and embarrassing. Yeah, and that's, that's how I felt about singing my whole life, even though that was one of the things that my family was, like, accepting of. Mm -hmm. And I've never liked my voice. I've never, like 
wanted to do it in front of people like solely and so I'm really glad that Bex took over singing so now I can just like let go of singing for a little bit and then recreate it the way that I wanted because my family wanted me to take voice lessons and so I did but then I was just only singing in this very specific operatic style like very like classical and that's not what I want to do with my voice at all and so I have to like apply the good things but then let go of the things that make me not sound the way that I want and it's it's a process mm -hmm. but it sucks I wish I, I I wish I was good at drawing like I'm just not like I've taken I'm in my fourth drawing class and I can still barely convey anything and it, like it might be time to drop the classes <laughs> well no well because it's like one of one of my dreams is to like write comics like writing Ooh. like web Ooh. comics that like address things about mental health and and like just experiences and then also just like be positive because that's been like a huge difference in my life is reading web comics and like seeing depictions of people's faces like I love reading but the web comic kind of has like a different vibe and it's much more like person-centric and I don't well in some ways I guess can but you make a Calico Loco comic that we can I would nerds? love to yeah, can we make comics? I would love to it's like I can draw and like paint realistically but I'm still finding my style in that but some people can just pick up their pen and then like oh this person looks amazing and it's a very cool I style know, I don't even know how it works it yeah. looks like magic yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so that's that's something I wish came naturally but I am working on it and I'm, I'm gonna get there fuck it like, we're gonna do it we're gonna get there <laughs> did I ever tell you that I used to I used to write comics really yeah, we, we need to like have a crossover. I would love like, to do that. I had like this entire, it was it was complex. And I, I, when I was a kid, I like I was like eight years old, and I had like crossover events. I had like potato man. And he, uh, potato, potato man. man. Yeah, potato okay. man. I could draw potato man. If you I think mine me. was Triangle Man. Triangle Man. Yeah. Nice. I had a triangle. Oh no, table. it was Mr. Dude. That's yeah. It was, it, yeah. I had a character named uh, Doodle Dude. Oh, yeah, he was. There we go. But like, yeah, and I had all these. Yeah, it was like twelve different like uh, series, and they all had like they would just they all had like. It was like MCU. They all like would tie together <laughs> at the end. I mean, I read like I used to love reading the X Men comics when I was a kid. So I just kind of like stole those ideas, and I'd be like, "Wow, the X Men have this entire world-ending crossover event with twenty characters. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna do that." So it was Potato Man. It was Fry Guy. <laughs> Mm. Who just looked like Wolverine if he was a French fry? <laughs> they were just all potato based. They were yeah. heroes. And then like the, 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 the bad guy was uh, Doctor Tomato. Oh my god! <laughs> and then he died, and then he got. Did they use then he became ketchup? A, no, there was no Miss Ketchup. There was a there was a there was Fry Guy and there was Fry Girl, and uh, I don't think no because can we dress like these for Halloween next year? Yes. Okay. Then, yeah, I could talk about this forever. It's. It's, it's a whole separate it's podcast. It's a whole we'll separate podcast. <laughs> it, just, it just replaced the X-Men storyline with, with the vegetables. I don't know why well, they were vegetables. It's vegetables. vegetables. You say vegetables, but it's mostly potatoes and one tomato. <laughs> There's tomato. There was, there was a... There you, was you, by the way, you started to say he died, and then you were going to say... Well, oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. If it's a potato man was coming down to his home planet one time, and he crashed, and he died. He's an alien potato, too. Uh, he was an alien potato. Yeah, because okay. it was like it was like uh, it was like Superman. Like he was on his home planet, then oh, he came like... to Earth, then he went back to his home planet, but he died crash landing. 
and then he turned into a tree. But potatoes don't grow trees. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying Dr. Tomato died. Oh, Dr. What? Tomato died, and then he got rebuilt as a robot. But then, but then Potato Man died. I think I understand. And then the tree spawned his son. This is not and the his son was born. I And then Potato Man came out of the ground as a zombie, and he had to fight his son. Damn. And his son had to kill his dad to make sure that the zombie apocalypse never happened. <laughs> I told you, like, this was... I was like eight years old. I actually wrote out all the series and planned them out ahead of time before Damn. I started writing. I, just, I planned it out better than the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> I think anything is planned out better than that. At least the most recent three films, for sure. And Princess Leia's in space. Terrible. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Floating towards yeah, them. Use the force to get back. That was the worst scene. After I saw that scene, I wanted to leave the theater so fucking bad. <laughs> I was similarly disheartened by that moment. It was really bad. <laughs> you know, I was saying this a couple episodes ago when uh, Jay Deco was on the show. And the thing, when I when I think back upon, like, if we're looking at nine Star Wars films, just like the ones that are trilogies, um, the first three, great, classic uh, the prequels, I think, over time have been redeemed apart from Phantom Menace. Um, but then the... Really? You feel that way? I don't feel that I way. Think, I think... I think the, and the reason why I break it down that way is I think, do these stories need to be told? And I'm fine with the stories that the prequels tell. And I think it, it, it's some incredible world building. And especially if we look at like Rogue One and Solo and that kind of stuff. I think. I know. But if we just look at the world-building aspect of it, great. But can we say the same thing about the most recent three films? Did, the, did those stories need to be told? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think we could have done completely without them. I mean, especially that third one, which did nothing. I just can't believe that he died. I'm like, your mom literally gave up your life. Wait, who like, died? I haven't seen the third one. Never I, I, no, I, not telling I'm not going to okay. watch it. <laughs> I just know that there's a scene I where there's only one. Man dies, even though he literally has a life given to him. Like, he dies, and then he just dies again. And I'm like... That's weird. It's just Star Wars being like, you can't go from evil to good unless you die. Probably afterwards. I've never seen the third movie, but I see, I've seen, like, the meme where they're like, Palpatine's back. <laughs> Somehow. And it's like, that's no explanation needed. That's pretty much it. Palpatine's back. Somehow. Yeah. Where did we leave off with... Um, you didn't talk about Yeah, I think it was Zeke. I'll tell you. I have to, literally. Right, I, I have the questions. I also wrote them. I know them all by heart. Ask me the questions. I will. Which forms of artistic expression creativity do you wish came naturally to you? I really wish I could write lyrics really bad. I also wish I could sing. Uh, those are the two things that I feel like are holding me back for really making full songs on my own um also drawing and sketching i really want to be able to be an old man sitting at a park with a sketchbook and just oh, sketching things wouldn't that be awesome i love that and have a coffee and just sit there on a nice autumn day with a sketchbook <laughs> and the birds yeah and the birds like and then listening to some music it sounds fantastic but i can't draw <laughs> that's the thing that's holding me back you listen to the music you can't hear the birds it's one or the other that's why you have the uh, airpods and do the transparent mode but some sort of like bird filter that actually allows <laughs> yeah. it's not noise canceling it's bird promoting yeah. headphones i have birds i'm in a bird cage <laughs> Actually, surrounded <laughs> by birds tweeting. Oh, this is uh, that sounded like something you like had just said to your therapist. <laughs> what was I talking about? Uh, I want so to be an old man. Sketch. Oh yeah, sketching. I'd love to be able to sketch. Um, oh, I really want to be able to make album artwork. 
really bad because I have so many ideas, but whenever I try to execute them, they just look like dog shit, <laughs> and it makes me so disappointed. I've tried so many uh, covers that have come to mind before. Oh, another thing is music videos. Um, I feel like I have always have ideas of music videos for songs that we have or just songs in general, but I can never fully get there mainly because of budget. You know, if I want to do a music video, I want it to be super high budget with these crazy cutscenes, and I feel like I haven't been able to do that. Um, and that is something that I would love to do. It would be a dream of mine to make a really, really high quality music video. High quality in the sense of where like, you can tell that you used a really good camera or something like that. Because what I'll say is like, you know, everybody kind of obsesses sometimes and they think the main roadblock is like, oh, I don't have the best of something to be able to do this. It's like, you don't need that. It's also set design and having... Right, okay, if we're talking about like expensive. sets, then you maybe you do need... Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I keep mentioning him, Tyler, the creator, his music videos growing up, always, I thought they, the design of them were so crazy and beautiful um and in his music videos he'd always have the different sets throughout that would just come up in different parts of songs and um he'd still like use them throughout but it'd still um be different enough to make it seem like it's it's not just a one set the whole time you know it's not boring you're interested and engaged because of it um so yeah i've always dreamed of making a music video like that Considering the things that you all wish that you could do better, are you comfortable with limitations? Yeah, I think that's just a natural thing. I'm here to learn. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking. What? Are you sure about that? I was, oh, I was to be thinking. fair, it was it was my prerogative to move the conversation forward instead of all of us looking at you looking for. <laughs> well, I was thinking limitations like when you're like creating. Sometimes you need limitations so you don't like go off the deep end and start doing other like like if you have like a synthesizer that can only make certain sound rather than make any sound. Like those limitations are good. That's what I was thinking of. But as far as like of like things I'm good at. Nah, I kind of wish I was better. I was good at everything. I'll be honest. Like, I wish I could just, like, write something really good and just, you know, be proud of it. And rather than just usually get, you know, stop finish or stop working on it and get tired. Or um, I wish I understood uh, electrical engineering better. Because I've always wanted to learn how to make synthesizers. But, I don't know, it's, it's tough to, in the morning, it's tough to, like, get out of bed and do that stuff. It's like... Especially when you're a musician and you work, you teach too. So it's like you're always, when you're teaching music, you're always working like in the afternoon. There's like all your free time really for me is like in the morning. And it's tough to like wake up early sometimes. Like, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. Sorry. I also wish I was good at acting, but I think um, I was raised to be an extrovert. But I realized this summer that I am not. At all. I am literally like 20% extrovert and like 80% introvert. What, what was the moment that you finally realized you're not an extrovert? Alex, is, my, my, my spouse's uncle was like, oh, you're an introvert like me. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I started like researching that and figured that out. Um, but I think acting is really hard for me because I had to mask so deeply to the point where I believed it, you know? And, and I really, you, you do know the term masking. 
Yeah. Okay. So like, like I've, I've really started to work on that since I realized that I was an introvert and I was like, I don't need to pretend that I want to be doing this. I don't need to pretend that this is what I do when I'm in a group of people, you know, I can just like exist and hang out with the dog. Like I don't need to be in the middle of the people. And yeah. Yeah. So I think I've always wanted to be able to act and like my spouse is really good at acting and and that's like really cool to see. But I can't fake, like, no matter how hard I try it, unless it's, like, a trauma response. Then I can't control it. So. It's funny you bring that up because the thing I, I always tell people about myself is that I'm an introvert masking as an extrovert. Because people think I'm very extroverted when it's, like, oh, no, I, totally, I, don't, I don't feel like that's totally the case. Totally wouldn't have thought that about you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because, I mean, like... I've been so many times different people have called me like, oh, you're like a social butterfly. You just go into a room and you're so comfortable talking to people. And it's like, yeah, but on the inside, I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And people would say the same thing to me. And I'm like, I am dying. I'm like a sweaty mess on the inside, like writhing on the ground. (laughs) So it's like, it's like when I go out to shows, which is part fun and part work for me, um, I, every time I'm anywhere, even if I know at least one or two people in the room or I know like a bunch of people in the room, it's like, I don't know what to do with my body mm-hmm. when I'm there. And it's like, what, what do I do? How do I stand? Where do I look around? What should I be doing right now? And that that is a sign of an introvert yes. right there. It's like, <laughs> how do I exist yes. right now? How do I, how do I and I've said this, and this has been said by so many people on the show, but at this point, it's like trying to figure out, it's like, how do I show that I have value? In this moment or right now, any sort of agency whatsoever, like even like the right to exist as a human being in this room right now, it's a very difficult thing to try and cope with yeah. sometimes. Um, do any of you ever struggle with jealousy? For art? In, any, <laughs> in, in general? In any, in any way. It could be, it could be one, both, whatever. I know, like I, I feel jealousy, it happens, but so being the youngest of seven... And all of my older siblings just were amazing at everything they ever did. Like, I had several valedictorian and salutatorian and, like, perfect ACT score, blah, 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 siblings. And so then, like, they were all in 100 extracurriculars and blah, 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 blah. And then up comes me, the caboose, and I just can't do any of that. And I'm just like, ah, there's so much pressure. And I just couldn't keep up with any of it. Like, I had good grades and I did a lot of things but I wasn't like them and so I think any feelings of jealousy that I could have these days don't really exist because I'm just used to being awful (laughs) used to being awful (laughs) pretty much like in comparison with my siblings yeah like well you're amazing thanks but (laughs) I was gonna say like you know just between us right now it's like of the seven (laughs) are you like the most interesting one I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, people talk about, like, good grades, uh, valedictorian, salutatory, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just, like, that's just stuff. That doesn't actually mean anything. It's yeah. like, well, especially, you know, I thought about this a while back, you know, the fact that, you know, every high school graduation has a valedictorian. Well, I mean, they do for college as well. But, I mean, think about how many institutions there are around the country. It's not like a rare occurrence kind of a thing. It's not like you get voted by, you know, the entire country gets to select only a small group of these kinds of things. And also, you know, school grades, all that kind of stuff is 
virtually meaningless when yeah. you get out into the real world, unless you're really pursuing something academic or things that really do involve having a high degree of knowledge when it comes to your chosen field of, you know, whatever you end up doing with your life. Mm -hmm. It is sort of meaningless. Mm -hmm. So to look at that kind of thing as like the paragon of being is kind of, it's a, it's a wasted opportunity. Yeah. And I know that, but like, that's my family's That's values, your family. And that's how I was <clears throat> raised. And like, I... I've been overcoming that for the last few years, but it's still hard to like, cause we had like a family reunion in August and I walked in there and I was like, yep, I don't belong here. <laughs> I don't even want to be here, but you know, got nieces and nephews that I actually care about. So, but you're also in Calico Loco. I mean, like <laughs> how would you, I, and only uh, one of my siblings actually cares about that. Well, I guess probably two, but he's too busy. The other one like actually cares about it. Cause he was going to major in music and like he wanted to be a rock star and he's the one that taught me how to play guitar. You know, and he gave me his guitar when I was in fifth grade and stuff. Like, I have one sibling that really cares about Calico Loco. And, like, that means a lot. But... Doesn't it feel, like, crazy, though, sometimes you're, like, telling people, oh, yeah, I'm in a band, I play, you know, gigs around Chicago. And then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like when I tell people what I do, like, I, I, Thanksgiving is next week. Actually, when this when this episode comes out, it will come out on Thanksgiving. Oh, cool. Um, like, I'm going to have to tell people, oh, there's this people I haven't seen forever. Oh, yeah, this is what I've, I've been up to. And what I've been up to is uh, interviewing bands and musicians and artists from all around Chicago, in and outside of Chicago, uh, doing virtual galleries through, through my company, uh, meeting a bunch of different artists that way. And if I tell people that, I'm, I can almost guarantee you I'm just going to get like, a, oh, that's, that's neat. That's and then so it's sad. like... Yeah. Don't understand. <laughs> well, it's like, and I think, what the fuck are you all doing in your yeah. lives? I'm the mo most interesting person you know. Yeah, you go to work from eight to five, you come home, like, yeah. 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 They deserve that yeah. response from me. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like they've been doing. I feel like people just respond like that when they really don't understand it exactly. Like, yeah. I usually tell people I'm an engineer and they ask me to describe what I do for work. They just don't understand what I'm doing, so they say, that's neat. <laughs> it's just, you know, like if you talk to someone isn't involved with music or really doesn't care, they're probably just going to say that's neat because they don't know how to keep that conversation going. It's more of like an awkward response. That is a good point. Although I, I will say it's like, they have heard of music. They, do, <laughs> yeah. they, they know what a band is. They know what Chicago is. They're yeah, yeah they, they can probably put all the elements together and create that puzzle themselves. Yeah, right. It's really only a few pieces. but right. um, That's our, why we don't travel for Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> we, we just have it at home by ourselves. If anybody yeah, doesn't have plans have for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, you can come over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving was nice last year where it was just kind of like, oh, we don't have to try and see everybody? Oh, shoot. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> We've definitely had people, um, I'll, like, we'll tell them, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm in a band. And they'll just be like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. And then they'll, like, hear, hear our music, like, months later. And they'll be like, why did you tell me you were in a band? I'll be like, I did. And they'll be like, yeah, but you didn't tell me you guys were actually good. It's like... <laughs> It's like, for some reason, wow. for, like, art to be valid, it needs to, like... Be at a certain level. I think, like, at a level, it just needs, like... Like, I don't know, like, if for an example, like, for some people to think that this band is, like, a good band, I put that in quotes, like, other people need to think that band is good. Like, it's totally a numbers yeah. game. Mm -hmm. And, like, people, like... I don't know, I, over the pandemic, I started, like, shitposting on Instagram because I got, was bored all the time. And, like, I, we, I got more Instagram followers. And, like, for some reason, people, like, 
make like look at that and they're like, oh, this band is like more valid Legit. because of that. Like, yeah, and it's like it's it's such bullshit. The, the numbers make people think. Exactly. Like, I mean, that happens with big artists even too. That people will always use that argument for Drake saying he's the best rapper just because he has the biggest numbers, mm-hmm. but numbers don't equate to artistic value. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough thing, you know, and that's why I stopped looking at any sort of numbers when it comes to number of uh, followers on Instagram for the podcast network or just the company in general, how many people listen to the podcast each and every week, because I have access to all this information and I don't look because uh, the thing that's most important to me at the end of the day, and this was a tough thing to have to to learn, was like, it's not about all that. It's about the end product. And if you're focusing on one thing over the other thing, you're in trouble. Because, like, you know, the music should be the most important thing, not the number of uh, mm-hmm. streams or number of, you know, it's terrible when you uh, are performing live somewhere and there's only two people there. That part I know has got to be tough. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like, uh, you know, artistic value, like you were saying, Danny, it's like, who cares how many followers you have? Because, like, if you're doing something incredible, that's the most important thing. And we just don't, as a culture, we don't know how to value these things individually. We kind of look as, like, how can I how can I uh, look at this via a metric? And it's like, but that's not how art that's how works. That's how my family is. I will say I'm very guilty of... You check the numbers. I check the numbers daily. <laughs> I'm very... Because that's how my mind works. I'm just a math person. So seeing numbers just makes me... <laughs> Even if I don't care, like, it's like, oh, 19 plays, I just still need to see a number. <laughs> I don't know why. I check the Spotify stats daily. I, I mean, know. if that's just how you function, then that's Yeah, yeah. That's usually different. I, just, I check and I go, oh, cool, we're at this number now. And yeah. you're not letting it, like, take up too much space in your mind. That's, like, mm-hmm. different from being, like, a, a capitalist pig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this, this, like, this, like, culture in this country is, like, everything's, like, competition and that, like... And not just in art, but like in everything, like schools, like jobs, it's mm-hmm. it's promoting this like culture of like numbers mean everything and not like the end product. And like it's kinda tough to like reframe so that you're not you're not uh like what's the word I'm looking for? You're not letting that get to you, I guess. Yeah. Like, cause we had a song on Spotify get added to a playlist and we got like we started getting like thousand streams every day. And it was really cool. And we were like all freaking out, like, oh, this is the great. And then, or this is the greatest thing. And then, like, as that was slowly tinkered down, um, for me, I was like kind of sad about it. I was like, I was letting it get to me too much, like, oh, it's over. We released another song that didn't get added to a playlist and didn't get a thousand streams in one day. And it was like, I felt so disappointed in myself. Like, and I, and I know looking back, it's stupid. But. Well, because it's a very personal thing because. Mm-hmm. What you end up shifting that focus to is thinking, like, it's not that they don't like the music, it's that they don't like me. Yeah. I have no value anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, people just do or don't do things on a whim. It's like with with any sort of like on social media, all that stuff is just kind of random. And it's also based off of algorithms, how that content Mm -hmm. is shown to people. Um, You know, I know people, my my ex uh, is a digital artist. And, you know, she would get, you know, hundreds of likes on certain pieces and then would get like maybe a few hundred less on others mm-hmm. and would have a mental breakdown mm-hmm. when that would happen. I'm just like, that doesn't mean anything, though. And also what you did was good. And whenever something did a little less good than a previous thing, she would take it down. It's just kind of like, that's so disgusting. It's so sad. To me. Yeah. yeah. 
And, like, I think it is about, like, you know, the end product. Like, oh, we made this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's about the journey. Because, like, I'm not expecting us to actually get big or to ever actually get paid back the money that we put into it mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But, like, it's such a good experience to be in it. And, like, this is the first band that I've been in that's not, like, oh, we're going to go play Christmas songs at the church for four hours. <laughs> you know. Um, like that little character you created. <laughs> Slight speech impediment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like I'm not really expecting anything mm-hmm. from it, but it's just such a good thing to be here. Yeah, I mean that's why I do this show. It's like I'm not expecting anything from it. I never, I've never had any idea ever of like I'm going to get famous from doing this. <laughs> and whenever I talk to, whenever I talk to like new podcasters, people that want to break into doing this kind of thing, like I was just saying this to um, somebody right before you all arrived. Um, The thing that I always tell people is do not expect sponsorship, any sort of money to be coming out of this thing right away uh, because even moderately well-known people still struggle with that kind of a thing. Um, And don't expect fame. Don't expect that there's going to, it's all just going to click. With some people, certain concepts just take off. Um, But, you know, you can't. You can't go into something thinking about like that as like the end goal. Each and every episode needs to be the best possible. You're competing with yourself. You're not competing yeah. against other people. Yeah, it's crazy how many variables go into all that too. Because I mean, a lot of times just luck hits random people, and there's so many talented musicians mm-hmm. and people in general, uh, athletes. Like if you could go play pickup basketball at a park, you might see some of the best basketball players you've ever seen, but. Just for some reason, they couldn't get to a certain level. Or you go see a show, you know, like, this band is awesome. Why haven't they blown up? And it's just because the stars need to align, you know. Same thing with, like, podcasts, too. Just everything. It's like when you look at the uh, like when you look at the Oscars and they say like this was the best film of the year. It's like no, that was the the what you decided was the best film of all the films that were submitted for the awards, mm-hmm. rather than you all watched every film that came out <laughs> in a given year and said that was the best one. It's like there are so many. I mean, like really honestly, I, I stopped watching any sort of award show years ago because it's just it's. It's a it's a ridiculous farce um, because it's really just based upon this lie that you know this is the best of something when it's really when it's, it's really not. Contest. Yeah, well, it, it really is essentially that, uh, especially when you the movies are kind of designed to come out around this time of the year to be Oscar bait. They're designed yeah, yeah. to win awards rather than to be good movies. Yeah, and you look at like past winners and you're just kind of like I've seen so many things so much better than all of that that there's no point in watching this kind of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And as long as we all, you know, at least in the creative community can just say like it doesn't matter, we're just going to keep doing what we love. Mm-hmm. Then that's mm-hmm. then that's really important. Yeah. Do any of you experience depression or anxiety? Sarah's nodding her head yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's <laughs> also a yes. Uh, I'm anxious all Undiagnosed, but I would say yeah. <laughs> people, people say that a lot where it's like, oh, I've never been diagnosed. And I always push back on that because I've never been diagnosed, but I know how I feel. I right. know the things that I've gone through, and I do not need a fucking doctor's note yeah. for it to be officially depressed or anxious. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if you've ever gone through something... Even if it's like you recognize, okay, yeah, I maybe have a slight problem with anxiety, a slight problem with depression. It's like you have those things. 
that's it. Mm-hmm. So who would like to, um, you know, everybody apart from Zeke, who's wobbling a little bit on whether or not he's anxious or depressed. Oh, he, oh I'm he, definitely he, anxious <laughs> as shit. Okay. Do we want to start with your anxiety then? Yeah, sure. We can start with my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, cheer, cheer up, man. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've just always been anxious. I feel like whenever I'm anywhere, my brain is just going a million miles a minute. And I'm always thinking about every possible outcome. And I'm always thinking about the future. I'm, I'm very bad at staying in the present. Like even in conversations, I'll just think about, oh, or I'll just, maybe that's ADD too. <laughs> I'll just think about like other shit. Um, but I, I always think about the future, how people perceive me for, say, putting out music. I didn't put out any of my own music for so long just because I was so scared of like being perceived a certain way and I would think about like what people would think about me for so long and um yeah I'm constantly anxious about um money that's something I'm always anxious about just making sure I'm financially okay and in the future when I have a family they'll be okay I'm really bad about trying to plan out my life too I always am like by this age I'm going to be here by the end I'm going to be like have kids then and then I, I try to plan it out way too much and when things don't happen that way I get really disappointed um, so I feel like I, I'm always anxious about okay is this actually going to happen or am I just thinking too much um, you just got to learn to pivot yeah it's great to have a plan but the number one thing about almost all plans is that they don't happen exactly yeah. the way that you thought them through mm-hmm. or that you wanted them to happen so you have to be okay with the fact that it just not everything you want will happen, but you can use that to pivot into something else. And that can actually, more often than not, the result ends up being better than your original plan. Right. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And it's, it's that's, I feel like the hardest thing is, like, when you're anxious, you know that you're being anxious, but you just can't stop it. Like, I know, I'm like, I'm overthinking this. I'm, it feeds itself. Yeah, it's just a cycle and... um I've definitely had times where I've gotten, I've realized it and I've gotten better and I have techniques that I've been using, but um, even then I feel like it's just every day. (laughs) Anxious about something. Anxiety really is a perpetual motion device because once it gets going, it it doesn't die on its own because it has elements that it introduces to to you within you that just keeps it going over and over and over again. It keeps giving you new things. Even if you solve one thing that you're anxious about, it'll, it'll give you even something that's not even worth worrying about at all. It'll, it'll make you think like, this is so important and you need to freak out mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> exactly. And then you realize later, it's like, why on earth was I even thinking about that in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tough, it's a, it's anxiety can be worse than depression. Sometimes depression is just kind of like, it's, a, it's its own thing. It just kind of, it's, it's, it plays one note. Um, <laughs> that anxiety can be, you know, just a it whole. It affects everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it kind of affects personal relationships a lot, too, with other people. Like, I, I'll be anxious that I haven't talked to my friends back home, like, in a while. And I told one of my friends that, and he was like, no, like, you're doing your own thing. We're all doing our own thing. I completely understand, man. Like, I, I know, like, you're thinking about me. And, like, it just makes – and then I'll feel like a piece of shit because I haven't talked to him in so long or, like, whatever. Then I actually talk with that person about that anxiety. And they're like, oh, no, like, I love you, man. Like, you're fine. <laughs> and it's like, oh – you just need to like talk to people and like communicate and then like things will be good. Um, but yeah, I feel like it has affected me a lot. Like these past few years, especially since graduating college, 
um, since there's not as much of a structured path in life. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it makes it so much worse not having a... That, that's what I liked about school is like, oh, there's an end. <laughs> now it's like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> There's still an end. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That, that ends like further away than I want it to be. Uh, you never know. <laughs> Pulls out gun. Points it out. Zeke stole my answer. Damn. Your exact answer? Exact That's incredible. Answer. No, I do the same thing. Like, always try to plan everything out. Um, I'm getting better about not being super anxious, but. If you ever if you ever go out drinking, you'll I'll be the first person to start peeling off the paper on their beer, just like I don't know. Um, that might also be yeah. ADHD. Oh, it may be probably <laughs> on their beer. You're just um, reaching for everybody. <laughs> Somebody else's. I pick my label off. I grab I grab my friend's beer. I'm like, okay, your turn. Um, but I don't know. It's like it's your turn, my pretty. <laughs> I've o- I've always been like very afraid of being like perceived too which is hard like especially because like Sarah's always reminding me like oh you're you know you're the singer you're the most active one on Instagram people like you're like believe like whether or not I want it like my face is kind of like the de facto when people think of us which I don't really like love that idea because I feel weird um, and I, your, your name is literally listed on the Instagram profile. Yeah, well, I, so nobody else's is there. I, well, just, so Danny's so, like, I'm not the leader. I don't want to choose this size. And we're like, it's a job, right? So we used to have. So before COVID, we used to have a band Instagram, and then like I just started posts because like we, nobody was around, like or because of COVID. So we just kind of started do, do, like me posting on my personal Instagram because it felt like the easiest way to generate content. But like, what was I saying? I forgot what I was about to say. You don't want you don't oh, yeah. the face of everything. So it's, I just don't like being perceived. And it's like before, like two years ago, when the band started, we didn't have any like listeners. We had like two monthly listeners, and I kind of like almost kind of just like enjoyed how like I I never worried about anything. It's like oh nobody's perceiving me. This is great. I used to do Instagram live all the time where I would play piano. And now that it's like we have people who listen to us, it's like I'm scared to do those same things. Like I'm more scared to release music because it's like, oh, people aren't going to like it because there's actually people there to consume the media. And I haven't done Instagram Live in like well over two years just because like I'm afraid of people like tuning in now. You know what, Danny? Fuck it. Just do it. <laughs> uh, okay, my hats are now. I mean, my God. I mean, come on. What, what is really at the, at the end of the day, what is the worst that could happen? Have fun. I if if you want to do it, if you want to do something, do something. Don't be worried about like how it is being perceived by others because if, what it sounds like is you would be happiest floating in a void. Yeah. <laughs> with voice. nothing else around you. The funniest thing you said that sounds pretty metal actually. As long as my spouse is The funniest thing you said was I don't want to be perceived. Which wasn't <laughs> know, yeah, it wasn't qualified by anything else. It was like I don't want other human beings to intake the data that is my organic <laughs> being. I just yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and nailed it, right? Yeah, it's just, you know, but I'm, I think I'm getting better. You know, I've always been super anxious when we're performing live. And, like, the more and the more shows we're playing, the more comfortable I'm getting. But, you know, I still have a long way to go just being comfortable being in this position. Um, just be yourself. And even if you are anxious, I think that's part of the charm. 
You know, it can be part of the thing. You can make it look like it's intentional as opposed to I'm trying to hide this thing right now. Somebody told me after one of our Golden Dagger sets, like, I really like that, like, anxious character you play on stage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, it's like, thank you. By the way, and I assume it's, it's you been talking to on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I just wanted to clarify because I... It's funny that we're talking about this because uh, when I messaged you after the Golden Dagger show that I saw, I was like, hey, it'd be great to have you guys on the on the podcast. And you're like, yeah, I was going to say something to you at the show, but I got too nervous, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not like a famous guy or anything. <laughs> it's like, I run a podcast network in Chicago. I mean, like, you're just sitting in my apartment right now. There's Christmas decorations around. It's not like this, you know, it's a really nerve-wracking thing. But I, I was like, oh, that's that's sweet. <laughs> For our first show, I almost had a panic attack, actually. Oh, I was, I think I was so nervous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you looked murderous on stage. I was so scared. Like, I've never, like, performed in front of anybody, so that was so scary. Okay, so that's interesting, because our first performance was, like, extremely healing for me, because I came from this really intense orchestral background where, like, everything had to be perfect and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, like, the first... No, I started the show. Like, our first show, I was on keyboard, and I started, and I oh, fucked yeah. it up. I fucked it up, and nobody cared. Yeah. And I was like... But you messed up? Wow! Yeah, I, I did. No, I did. I don't remember. I blocked it out. Even you know, was... stage fright. But um, nobody cared, and it was no, like the most beautiful thing. After, I had a lot of fun. After the show is when I realized that because like, we like finished the show and I like knew I fucked up so many times and I was like, it literally didn't matter. I was so down on myself and I was like, it sounded so good and I was just like, yeah, the yeah, audience sure, doesn't whatever. ever understand these things because and like just... amongst the band, no one cares. Yeah, and also like, no, like one, no one knows like all the parts of the songs too, which is nice because it's like they don't know that we fucked up <laughs> so I always uh, when I, like I was gonna say I have to think about this one sec <laughs> sorry it's like I like your method of interjecting and then yeah. realizing oh wait I don't know what I'm about that's to like say that's like the three to seven year olds I work with <laughs> it's like so I'm like okay <laughs> like I haven't even said the question anyway oh, yeah. no wait what was I gonna okay Yes, Zeke, that is true. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> Danny, okay, you're can, yes. I'm sorry. So, I, I like have, this anxious character you're playing, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to. I want to know the real Danny. And whatever, whatever we're like. Okay, so when we're playing a show and I mess up, I always like feel really bad, and I always feel like everybody like is honing in on that moment, like, oh, they messed up in this specific spot. But, like, I mean, I don't think anybody notices, which is, like, telling myself. But I also think, like, when, I mean, I play music all day long. I think, I think I'm pretty good. Um, and I notice when other bands mess up. Like, I always will notice, like, because it's, like, something on top of me. But I've never, like, thought about it more than a second. It's always, like, oh, then nobody, like, yeah, you just just always, I mean, I've got, I go to the CSO, and I will notice when they mess up because, like, I've been playing music for so long, and I'll be, like, Oh, they're some, something. It's like small mistakes that nobody notices, and like when all people, when other people do those things, it's like it doesn't even faze me. But when right. I do those same things, it, like oh, I need to, like I need to take a Xanax or something. <laughs> like it's like for me, uh, going through maybe like okay, I'll have 
30 minutes, and this is just an example. This is not based off of, like, you know, any real thing. But, like, being charming and funny for 30 minutes and then saying one joke that nobody seems to understand or laugh at. And they're just like, oh, I just trashed everybody's perception of me. It's like, no, that's probably not true. They just don't understand that sometimes I have a very dry sense of humor where the things I say sometimes sound very serious. When, if you really, in my mind, it's so very clear. It's like the thing I just said was so ridiculous that they couldn't possibly be perceived. My spouse still can't tell sometimes when I'm being sarcastic. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Well, it was, it's been interesting Again, this the uh, my ex, my previous relationship. I had to explain jokes to her sometimes. Like for the longest time, my profile picture, actually my profile picture on Instagram from my personal profile is still me in a tiny hat. I have a lot of tiny hat content, um, <laughs> but it was it's pretty much the same across all my social media profiles. It's just a very close up on my face, tiny cowboy hat on my head, and she's like, "Why is that funny?" It's a tiny hat. Uh, <laughs> on a normal size head. Yeah, you know, sometimes a relatively large head. And it's just like, that's that's pretty much it. It's just kind of like, I don't know why I have to explain this. Right yeah. Um, and then all like other kinds of like moments where, they, you know, just me being dry. And it's just like, this is weird. This is weird having to explain this. TikTok has rotted my fucking brain to where now my humor is just bullshit where it makes zero sense to me it doesn't even make sense but i love it and then i try to show somebody who's not familiar with tiktok and they just look like they saw an alien it's awesome it is weird that we we have moved into a sort of an era of like uh jokes kind of done in that online kind of format are real weird and kind of in in a little avant-garde in a way. But then there are other times where I look at like, because um, my two half-sisters are both, I think they'd both be Gen Z. I think the youngest one still fits into that slot. Um, uh, the things they watch and they, they consume, I'm just kind of like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? I don't understand. Like, but there was a while where the, the big joke was like, you take a, a thing and, you know, some... Uh, pre-produced uh, piece of media content uh, whatsoever but then it's just like uh, the vocals are so loud where it's just kind of like blowing out the speaker and it's like why is this funny? What, where's the joke here? I don't entirely understand. It's hard to wrap my head around. Man, I just gotta send you like all the TikToks I like. <laughs> I like some weird shit that just makes no sense. It's just distorted and there'll be like 50 sounds playing at once. I feel like Gen Z just has such a bad problem with attention <laughs> that they just need to throw so many things in it to really be like, oh, I'm going to watch this now. Because if it's just someone telling a joke, they're like, this is boring. I've seen so I've seen someone tell a joke before. So now it's like, it has to be ironic and as crazy as possible, which is beautiful. A million layers of irony. Yeah. Deep fried me. And it's references. It's like, you have to like understand the references. It's referencing another avant-garde meme that's referencing something else. Literally. That's internet humor. (laughs) They're a strange group of people. Uh, And I can't wait for the next generation to come along so then they're the ones, because you know how Gen Z is apparently looking at millennials going like, these millennials. (laughs) They're a little old and weird at this point. But, I mean, that happens with every generation now. By the way, uh, I came completely lost track of where we were talking about, like, the anxiety and the depression. I know we covered Zeke, but did we cover Sarah? Did we cover Danny? I think we just think, ended up... Did you have anything else you wanted to say? Um, yeah, I'm anxious. I, uh, I'm not depressed 
anymore. Well, it'll, as it gets darker, I'll That's right. We did, we did talk a lot about your anxiety. I yeah. don't think we covered Sarah yet. No, not yet. Um, I don't know. We talked about depression. I used to be depressed. Like, I was... I don't know. It's, I had a... I think I had a lot of religious trauma growing up. So, like, I think I was depressed for most of, like, my childhood. That sounds really sad. It... I had a reality. I had a good childhood. Like my parents are great. But I think um, you can, those two things can exist simultaneously. You yeah. Could, you could have had great parents. You could have had a relatively good childhood. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you that cancels out the things that affected you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, but it's like I got. I think I've gotten through the depression. I thought, I haven't got over the anxiety, but especially like my high school, college years, like they were rough. Like I don't, I've been, I was institutionalized a few times, um, but yeah. It, I, something it was really weird it was like as soon as I stopped being religious it like just switched in my brain like you know I, was, I probably figured it out too too late in life or later than I wish I did but you know when you grow up really religious that's like cemented in your brain like there's no other way but when I stopped being religious it's just like my depression went away over like in like it was almost like at the same exact time so yeah, it's my depression. It's more, story. it's more freedom to figure out you and your life, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like a set path and thinking like, how do I make this work on this path? And now you're just like, oh, I can paint outside the lines. I guess like I finally felt like I could plan kind of what I wanted to do. No more being a full time preacher. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah, I yeah, I don't know. That's that's all I have to say. How are you doing? How are you doing? Um, so I think a lot of the things that we've talked about relate to this topic in like very integral ways, like from how I was raised to my introvertedness to being raised as an extrovert, all of it. And then, you know, being a female and being raised as a female, you are basically given social anxiety because you are only valuable as other people perceive you. And it's very limited to, like, these couple things, mostly just this one. And, like, it's horrifying. Like, I, I literally spent most of my childhood in my bedroom reading because it was the only place that I felt safe. Because if I left my bedroom, I was being judged for what I was doing constantly. And... So like I like I couldn't even hardly do homework on the computer because my mom would be like, "Oh, James needs it. You need to get off the computer." And I'm like, "I'm doing my homework and he's playing a game." You know, it it just everything. Nothing I did was was like enough. And so I was like severely depressed and severely anxious all the time to the point where like I didn't even know myself. Um and so so my parents are religious, my family's religious, and, like, I am religious, but the freeing things that I have found is that I don't have to practice it the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Like, my relationship with the God that I believe in is mine, and it's something that's always been there for me, because, um, like, when I was a kid, um, you know, we'd talk about church things, but honestly not that much at home. Like, it, it would be like we would go, and then, like, the religion, like, controlled everything that we did. But it wasn't ever in, like, a meaningful way. It was just a tradition. It was just, like, this this mist that, like, sprinkled on everything that we did. And, and so the... I learned this recently where I'm pretty sure, like, so the 
it's okay if nobody agrees with this and if you think it's stupid, just edit it out. But like the, the God that I believe in is that there's there's one, like there's there, you know, there's Jesus or whatever and he whatever, and then like there's the spirit that like is in your heart or whatever, but then there's also like the people who created us. And I don't know what genders they are, I don't know what their anatomy is or whatever, but I'm assuming that everybody's anatomy is representative in these creatures. <laughs> and and um and one of them the, the one that I call Heavenly Mother, I don't know if she's actually a mom, I don't know if she has boobs, I don't know anything about her, but I call her that, and I'm pretty sure she's the one that actually raised me, because I've always been so separated from my family, um, but I've always known that someday I would be okay, and I've always known that someday I would feel love the way that I wanted to experience it, um, and that is what sustained me. And, and I know that if I didn't have that relationship with this, this person that cares about me more than I understand, that I would have killed myself a very, very long time ago. Um, but I didn't because I have this relationship that I could lean on. And, and my spouse has helped me actually feel love the way that I always dreamed about and helped me recognize that the, the love that was shown at church, quote unquote, I'm doing lots of air quotes, at church and in my home and between it's my sort parents. sort of like watching a little bunny foo-foo popping yeah. through the forest. <laughs> yeah, um, like the, the love that was expressed between my parents, which was awful, and, and my, my siblings and their spouses, which is questionable. And like at church and whatever, and they're like, well, I do this because I love you, or I do this because I love them, or whatever, and I just always knew that that wasn't how it actually was, and I was like, love is soft, and love is sweet and kind, and I know someday I'm going to know what that feels like, and I do feel that with my spouse, and now I'm finding it with my friends that I'm making as I make, like, being more authentic to myself, like, I feel it in the band, and I feel it, you know, with the people that I meet at school that are, like, you know, helping me with my art and stuff like that, like, it's, it's been a really, really interesting journey, but I just know I was like so far stuck somewhere, but there was always just this little thing that was like, just keep going. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. You're going to get there. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm feeling a lot better <laughs> and yeah, but like the anxiety is still there and the depression comes sometimes. Like a few years ago I had a miscarriage and, um, and I, I, that was kind of like the pinnacle of everything. I think it was like, like, my, my relationship with my spouse up to that point was really difficult, and, like, we didn't, like, we hadn't been able to let go of the traditions of our families um, as much as we wanted to at that point, um, and then, and then we had this miscarriage, and the first thing that the doctor said, she was like, you cannot blame each other. You can't blame yourself, and you can't blame your spouse. Like, this happens for reasons that we still don't know. It's not because of anything that you did. It's not because, you know, of anything about you. It just happens. And you guys need to, like, come closer together through this. And and so we, we did. We, we tried really hard to do that. And during that time, I really stepped away from the practicing of my religion, and it became much more of, like, a personal thing. And a lot of it was anger, and a lot of it was pain, because it was like, this is the only thing that gives me value in this world, in this society. The only thing that matters about me is the the beings that I spawn, you know, and, and now I can't even do it, you know, and, um, and yeah, and so it, like, that, that experience helped me realize that my value is so much deeper than what I create, <laughs> like, 
physically or like anything. Like it's not about my contributions. It's about the fact that I am alive and that I exist and that that's it. That's it. That's all that gives me value. The only thing that gives me value is my existence and nothing else matters. And, and like that experience has helped me learn that. Um, and yeah. And so that helped me get through a lot of like the depression that had been like shrouding my mind for 20 forever years. And, um, and so the years since then I've, I still like struggle with depression at times, um, but it's definitely mostly anxiety these days. And for that, I am grateful because I can still find myself when it's just one of them. <laughs> so, you, you began all that by saying like, this, this sounds stupid, just cut this out. The part I think I'm coming closest to is cutting out the part where you said, if this sounds stupid, cut <laughs> this out. Because everything you just said, I have no problem with. I don't think any of us would, are sitting here thinking like, oh, that any of that sounded stupid at all. Regardless of anybody's individual belief systems in the room, again, you know, Danny's obviously not religious. I'm an atheist, but I have no problem with anybody's personal cosmology. And obviously it has a huge impact on you and your mental health. And it's like, why, why would I want to take that away from anyone? Thanks. Ever. <laughs> Especially, you know, the way that you expressed all of it was so deep and, and, and beautiful that it's just like, why would, why would anybody not want to hear that? regardless of what, you know, the individual elements of your beliefs may be. Mm. You know, it's an important thing. Mm. What's the history of the band and how have things changed over time? Okay, I guess I have to take this probably one. the best to answer all Come that. on, Danny. Okay, let me think for a second. I gotta... Everybody give Danny some space. <laughs> gotta, I started writing music, um, like, by myself in college, probably, like, well, how old am I? I'm 20. I'm almost 24. <laughs> Probably like seven years ago, I started writing music. Um, and then eventually I was at a point where I was in another band and I was kind of like, we weren't being super active. And I was like, oh, I want to start my own band with my friends. And I found, I met up some, I met some guy on Craigslist who we started writing a song together. That song was more of the same. He kind of had a couple ideas that were unfinished. And I was like, oh, what if we turn this into a song? And then from there, we kind of, that was kind of the band. We brought in a bass player that he knew. Uh, we brought in a drummer who the bass player knew, Xavier, who um, was with us for a while until he had to step away because of work. We love him. Um, but uh, it was just like the four of us, and then our guitar player left because like he wasn't very involved. He wasn't motivated. Um, and that's we brought Zeke to kind of yeah, fill in. Through Reddit. Through Reddit, yeah. <laughs> the only time I ever go on Reddit was to find Zeke. And like and like even that like, you know, me and Zeke, we love each other. Me and Xavier, we all love, we, all love, we all love each other. But it was just like it was sloppy. We weren't really sure what we were doing, pretty unprofessional. Um we had a couple of gigs planned in March of the when COVID started that we never actually got to play. And uh it was like at that point we kind of took like a pause. It was like the band wasn't happening anymore. We went through like an entire, was it like like a whole year? Nothing was going on, and uh, we, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing because it was like you know it's like a weird thing having a band. So we ended up our bass player kind of we kind of left him because he you know during that summer a couple of years ago when all that just, every, just a year ago oh a year ago yeah God, it feels. I know, it feels like a long time Yeah, ago. it does. It's that whole summer, you know, he he had some opinions that we never realized he was like, that he had, that we were like, oh my God, this guy is 
it's not like goodbye. Not, yeah, not Calico Loco material. Yeah, like hopefully not nobody material. <laughs> but like, and it was just like you know, it was it was always like a really casual. Like we wanted to be a, a real band, but nobody really knew what was going on. You know, like me and Zeke and Xavier, we all really loved and gelled each other. But you know, we just like I mean, if we're adults, but I feel like we felt like kids. I still mm-hmm. do. Um, but you know, we uh, then my friend Curran, um, from high school. So we've known each other for years. He was in another band. He was busy with other things. Eventually, he had this free time to come up. Then he joined the band. And then, like a month later, Sarah joined the band because I was like, "Hey, Sarah, I just I think I just texted you on Snapchat one day randomly. Like, you want to play band?" That's literally what happened. Like I hadn't talked to you in forever, and then you were like, "Do you want to be in a band with me?" And I was like, "Sure, let's do it." So then we just um, eventually Xavier switched over from drums to bass, um, and then once he left, Sarah switched over from keys to bass. But uh, since then, I feel like that was like when we actually started, mm-hmm. like when Kern and Sarah joined, and it was Zeke, me, Kern, Sarah, and Xavier, um, with Christian joining it was like a few months after that. Yeah, past Ox Populi, I guess, yeah. Christian Moreno. Yeah, so he's great too, we love him. But, uh, like, so it's probably like, I'm probably rambling too much, but I feel like it was last <laughs> November, right? Because that's when we, we well, were last came October. Came Astro Sound. Came was our first one, and then we had Hole in the Wall. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Hole in the Wall was kind of like the new beginning yeah, of Calico Yeah, I would Loco. agree. We that's did a Halloween cover. Like. We did a show in my backyard, like during COVID. We just did like us, no, no people there. We just did like a live performance. Um, and then we did Hole in the Wall. Excuse and, me. And uh, that was like this kind of like. I, I consider that to be when the band actually started. Mm-hmm. Even though we have some songs on Spotify from like 2018 that I put up by myself, I made in my bedroom. I feel like, you know, about a year, about a year, like from, yeah, yeah that's how long we've been around. And uh, obviously COVID happened. So we, we decided to just record everything remotely. All of the drums and pretty much all the songs were, um, uh, are just MIDI drums or me and Kern, Neither of us are drummers, so what we would do is we would just uh, record the drums one hit at a time and just put it all together and hope nobody notices. Maybe edit that part out so nobody, <laughs> so nobody notices That's that our drums yeah, are, leave that in. The drums in our songs aren't even real drums. Um, and we just would, like, since, you know, we just wanted to uh, try to release content as much as we can because we wanted to... And we're thinking of, like, what's the best way to get people to listen to us during pandemic... You know, we waited through the summer because it's like the like it was it was an intense summer. So we weren't actually being productive. We were like involved with like all the things that were going on. Um, but around November of last year, we just like let's just release one song every month. Stay in the eye of people. Kind of collaborate remotely. You know, we would send we would record our parts at home and then send them to each other. Curran is the person who mixes all of our songs, produces everything, and when he joined, I think you can like clearly hear like the music just changed in like quality, just having him be like the final ears on everything. And then we did that for a few months. Christian joined the band um, not too much later, probably in like March, April, March, April, April March, and then we continued that. Obviously, when Christian joined, we weren't able to record the you know he's would be the one playing drums so we couldn't keep up the once a month releases because 
it's hard. It takes longer to record drums. Um, but uh, then we started playing shows. We got we were thankfully. I know Christian had to step away because he's busy too. But we were fortunate enough to have, we were fortunate enough to have him play in the most recent song that I've just released. And uh, yeah, and Xavier left in July. Um, so then Sarah moved from. <laughs> we have a lot of shifting parts. <laughs> Sarah moved from keys to bass. And now we have Vax. And then so Vax now, came to play keyboard. We love Vax's. Yeah, she joined. What did she join? She joined most in recently, August? probably like in August. August. And she's such a pleasure to have because she's like she always brings. She always brings like the nice aura of kindness to practice. Mm-hmm. She always brings the and weed. She's good. <laughs> she's <laughs> she she supplies the marijuana for everybody. Um, <laughs> she uh, yeah. She, so ever you know we just all love each other. It's that's kind of the quick history of the band. I thought this through like so much on the way here, and now that I'm talking about it, I'm like I forgot everything. ADHD. I was I feel like it was it also really started in November when we had all of us five to start is because everyone really cared about like doing different things and like you really want to do like art stuff and like help with merch a lot you obviously are the main songwriter (laughs) Curran is just a maniac when he comes to producing and mixing and mastering he's so good at it and he cares about it so much Um, and then yeah I feel like that's when it really started because everyone was really into it and really cared about it. Bex helps me so much with singing. Mm-hmm. Just like, cause, so Bex, our keyboard player, is like a professional opera singer. Hashtag the looniest tune. The looniest tune on Instagram. I guess She's, not hashtag. At, they don't at, hashtag. At, <laughs> at the looniest at symbol, tune. Yeah. At symbol <laughs> the looniest tune. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, like, just having everybody in the band, it's like, I don't know, like, what we're not talking Everybody about. contributes a lot. Like, it, it was interesting because, like, we had the website, and I was taking, like, a web class at the time. And Danny was like, do you want to be in charge of the website? And I was like, okay. And then I actually went on, um, like, Google, Excel, or whatever, and wrote out all of our responsibilities just so they were, like, delineated. I was like, this is what we do. <laughs> it's like, no more passive-aggressive, like, oh, can we can we work on this? And it's like, no, this is our responsibilities. And I don't know. That was exciting for me. <laughs> to create a Google sheet of yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. And then I was like, here's a list of photographers we can contact. And Damn, I created that Google sheet for our first order oh, of the merch. For the merch. <laughs> and I loved making it so much. <laughs> it was so fun. We're a very organized group of people. Well, some of you, well, I know. <laughs> I am not organized. But I think that's like, I, another thing I think it's, I think it's really nice, like, group of people that we have that we can do that. Like, we can be, like, we're going to do this and divvy it up and, you know, no passive aggressiveness. We're always on good terms with each other. Um, whereas, you know, before, you know, I've been in bands before where people were always in a bad mood all the time. And I thought that that was how it just is. Um, but here it's like everybody's always, we're all, we're always happy. I will say I get in my mood sometimes. I That's just in, in general. Moods, but like, <laughs> from Arizona and you're used to sun 24-7. Yeah, it's true. Now, now it's it getting dark, dark at 3 at o'clock. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> like it's not that we're always happy. It's that we always try to work through it. Like We're all yeah. committed mm-hmm. to making this better. Yeah. And like... Like, yeah, like you said, everyone has their off days, so yeah. like we're we're cognizant of that. And like, okay, like this person, like I practice today is just a little more quiet because they like you know need personal space and or whatever. Um, so like, yeah, it's nice that like we're all like supportive of that, and not like, yo, why are you fucking sad right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
like, even at the auditions that we had for the new drummer, it was like you could tell that there was a lot of anxiety happening, and we were still just like so supportive and just like mm-hmm. it's okay, let's just try it again, it's fine, yeah. you know. Because like auditions are really fucking scary, mm-hmm. and like they're very anxiety inducing. So I don't know. I like that we like hold space for people mm-hmm. that have that. Yeah, Sarah, you designed the website. No, Danny, oh, Danny, Danny built it, and I just keep up with it. Now. Got it. Okay, because I was going to say, it's one of the better websites I've oh, seen. Did it. You based <laughs> yeah. it on Japanese breakfast. Yeah, I did. Danny this. was like, I literally just... <laughs> I, uh, so, like, you can find out the website to Squarespace website by just, like, typing Squarespace as the subdomain, and I went to her website, and I was like, hmm, what if I type in squarespace.japanesebreakfast.com, and it still worked. I'm like, oh, I'm going to copy this layout, so... Don't tell her. That was before I... Right. It's it's our little secret. (laughs) No one will ever know outside this room. (laughs) Jubilee's album of the year, by the way. Oh, it's such a good album. So, as an emotion or experience, how would you describe your music to someone who has never heard music before? Mm-hmm. I thought about this one and I, it was hard to... That's I never heard like, music ever? Yeah, so you can't, you can't, I've had to reword this question in so many different ways just to try and tell people, like, you cannot use musical terms, genres, anything. You can't use other bands. It has to be, like, it just, mostly what helps is with, like, uh, experiences. You've been pointing at Danny. See, I, I, came up, I came up with this bio for, oh, that we have on Spotify that we're the sonic equivalent of bedazzled denim jacket. I feel See, like that's, that's good. How we Can you say that again ourselves. slower? We are the sonic equivalent of a bedazzled denim jacket. <laughs> kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> that is so true, by the way. I, I feel like it really is. Because I've seen you guys live, live, and yeah. Yeah. So the <laughs> like first that, time I heard it, I was like, yep. It's, it's true. Yep, that's all we need on the UK. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> how would it be described by a professional critic? Like derivative indie pop, <laughs> indie pop garbage. Every time I ask a band or a musician this question, they always start with the negative. <laughs> it's always like, this shit. Be like Anthony Fantano wouldn't even review this. Oh, he would not like. He would wear the, ye- the yellow plaid. Is that the, the red. that the way? Is that the the red? The red. I don't. Um, I was talking about this the other day when after our subterranean show, um, one of the workers there just kept saying how we sounded like dream pop. So I feel like that, and I feel like that is something that I can see, dream pop, indie pop. They use all the buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danny likes to put a hashtag post-punk on all of their posts. I feel like we're... And I was confused about that for a while, <laughs> but I understand now. It's like loud guitar music. <laughs> yeah, I just think of it as like, when I, I called the last song, I've been, I realized that, uh... If you like music that's loud, emo, and gay, Calico Loco has a new song out today. <laughs> that's what I, how I described the last song. And I think it's accurate. Yeah. We definitely, our music definitely used to be, like, I think brighter and janglier and cuter. Um, and then the more, like, we, we write so much music that we don't really speak. We probably have, a, like, at least 60, 70 songs. Half of them finished, half of them almost finished. But the more we write... I feel like we're moving into like a, just like louder, more kind of more. I want to be beautiful is kind of a new chapter yeah. for music. Yeah. It's like loud, more confessional, but oh, I hate using that word. I feel like <laughs> so pretentious. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just 
when I started the band, I really wanted to write. My my goal was to write fun music that is about nothing and just good good time music. Like that's not deep at all. And then it's not really happening. It's anymore. not happening. But it's good. It was a good foundation because it's giving us like this sparkly mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. How do you how do you guys this is not a question that I might written down or, or thought about previous to this moment, but I, I realized it because um so when I when I saw you guys at um at Golden Dagger like a month ago now, um it was Weekend Run Club, August Hotel, August Hotel, right? I'm not yeah. misremembering that. Weekend Run Club, August Hotel, Calico Loco. And I know Weekend Run Club and August Hotel. Like, I know those people. I've interviewed them all several times. I've seen them a bunch just around town. Like, I know them. But then I was like, Calico Loco. Who's Calico Loco? And it's it's one of those things where it's like every once in a while there's a band that all of a sudden they're just like, I start seeing the name everywhere. And I started seeing Calico Loco pop up in different places. I'm just like, where where did they even come from? It's like just um, the same, uh, same kind of concept as like, uh, have you guys heard of the band Heat Death? No. Okay. They're another one where I just all of a sudden started seeing the name pop up everywhere. And I, I, I uh, met them. They're, a, they're a, a duo. I met them at uh, Reed's Local the other night uh, when I went to go see Nora Marks and um, uh, Pink Squeeze play. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where I saw um, the name. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that, okay. was, that was the bill. So Heat uh-huh. Death was there along with Pink Squeeze and Nora Marks. Um, and it's just like, it's so weird to just all of a sudden see like a name pop up and then, but then all of a sudden it just seems like so official, like so established, like how me saying that, how does that feel to the three of you? Like the concept is like, you know, you've, you've been together for a while, but then like having a name pop up and then it seems like established and official. Do you all? I've definitely like that? seen that happen, like with several different bands, just in the area, and then random ones that like follow me from like California or whatever. And I'm like, where did you come from? But um, like it, it does happen, and it does kind of feel like that's exactly how we started. It was like, oh, they were going to perform, and then it never happened, and then suddenly we started performing like every two weeks. Yeah. And it was like, oh. <laughs> Feels weird. Like I'm yeah. like I, I don't think I've let it sunk in yet, and like. I've played in bands for, like, years, and this is, like, the first band where we get paid after our shows, and it's weird, like, that people are listening to us, that people come to our shows. We haven't had a show yet where we play to just the sound guy, which I feel like is a rite of passage for so many bands, and, like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I just, I'm not used to attention, and I'm not used to people enjoying our music so you're not used to people perceiving yeah I'm not used to being perceived that's the word but I, I, I enjoy it it's just weird I think it's a great thing too is that a lot of the musicians that we play with or come see us at our shows are the ones that are giving us praise and wanting to play with us so Danny's mentioned multiple times to me and probably you as well that Danny hasn't really reached out to anybody for a show like oh, yeah. people just have I've been, been reaching out to Danny and it's just been going well because people, I guess, like our music and I think we fit a similar vibe of people as well, which is really good to see. Well, I mean, that's already a hell of a bill appearing alongside Weekend Run Club and August Hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's pretty good. I'm curious now, like, who else has reached out? Well, we've made so many friends. Like, like uh, I mean, I could just list... Yes, uh, I like, think that's, yeah, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> like, Pink Squeeze, one of my favorite bands in Chicago. 
We already talked about... Sick Day. Sick Day gave oh, us our first show. Olivia, Olivia gave us our first show. She's so good. Yes, yeah, she... Uh, so, like, back to, like, Instagram. It's like... So many of my friends that I've made in the, in the Chicago music scene, I actually met them through Instagram over the pandemic. Because I felt like Instagram was just where it was all happening the last year. Um, though I met Bex, Lunia's Tune, um, our keyboardist. I met her on Instagram. We were just talking, just random stuff. I don't even remember what we talked about. And then eventually I was like, oh yeah, so Sarah might start playing bass. We're looking for a keyboard player. And she was like, oh, I'll play keyboard. But uh, oh yeah, back to naming people. Um, Olivia. Alien Book Club. Alien Book Club. Minneapolis. Yeah, Love them. I met, I met a... Uh, the singer Anita on a Discord, but uh, so Olivia from Sick Day, I met her at, through Instagram. I think I went to school with you. Her. Oh, you went to school. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You were like, "Hey, Sick Day," and I was like, "I know her. I've seen her play." <laughs> She's so cool. Yeah. Um. She. So we were just talking, and like, I noticed that somebody followed like like my post, and I was like, "Oh, it's." Olivia, I don't know who that is. And I was like, oh, she makes music. I clicked it and I listened to it. I'm like, oh, this song is really, really good. And I like shared it on my story. I'm like, you guys should listen to the song. It's great. And then we became friends at that point. We just started talking. And then um, I think Zoe at the Golden Dagger reached out to her for a show, like when things were opening up again. And Olivia was like, oh, I want Calico Loco to open up for me. Um, so, I'm sorry. So, uh, that was our very first show. And that goes back to the idea of like, I actually haven't booked any shows. It's just my friends asking me to play with them. And it's that just... That was the one with, um, at the Subterranean. Wasn't that... Oh, uh, that was, was through, that, that was yeah, your friend. That was through my friend who, uh, was friends with the bassist of Everyday Fantastic. Because they worked together. And then, I forget, I don't remember why he reached out to him, but I think he said, hey, would your friends be interested in playing with us? And I was like, oh, sure. Might as well. Like, I guess we'll just, because at that time we were just taking like every show and, um, yeah, playing with them was a great time and like from there there was another band called Ocean Child that, um, was from Champaign. Um, they're a bunch of like college kids who are so good. And, um, How did we get that yeah, from there it's just like at every show we just become friends with everybody, <laughs> which is, I feel like just uh, what, what ends up happening is how we get more shows. It's like North Lodge, Sick Days, bassist? Or is North Lodge playing bass or guitar? Uh, uh, North Lodge. Oh, Joe. Yeah, so Joe, they play, they play guitar. Um, yeah. Because they want to play a show with us too now, right? Well, they asked us, but you're, you're going to be in Arizona for Christmas. Ooh, so that's my fault. No. <laughs> Can we just like list all the bands that we love? I mean, yeah. I would love that, actually. Let's go. For Chicago or Sick general? Day. Sick Day, Alien Book Club, Pink Squeeze. Ocean Child. I love Modern Ocean Nun. Child. Modern Nun. Modern Nun. I've never met them, Weekend Run but Club. I love them. Weekend Run Club. August, August Hotel. Hotel. Everyday Fantastic. Everyday Fantastic. Um, oh, the no. Centurettes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Centurettes, Centurettes are great. Oh, Arch- and Violet. They just changed their name. Arch- Archer Violet. Violet. Yeah. Formerly known as AB The Band. Yeah. Um... I've, I've, uh, I haven't met them in person, but the dudes from Normarks are nice on Instagram. They're very nice to me. Oh, they're they're great. They're some of my favorite just human beings in general. I hope we get to play with them soon. I mean, the, the vibes may be a little different. 
Well, we can we can get loud. We can get but, loud. But <laughs> I would also love. Life. I would I'm love that show. We played with Dog Leg and Retirement Party. They were loud. And Rhino Shrine. Rhino Shrine. Rhino Shrine is great. Um, I don't think people are Rhino Shrine. North. We said North Lodge. Mm-hmm. Oh. No. Oh, there's this band um, from the South Side that I'm, what was their name? Almost there, but not really. Oh, yeah. oh they're great. They, they, they have... started following, I think, a few like my personal profile on Instagram as well as like the sh- the show profile. And I don't, I've never met or talked with any of them, but I mean, like, I know that name. Mm-hmm. Now. They have this one song. I think it's Alma. Uh, it's one of, like, one of my favorite songs. Were we playing with Monday? Monday. Oh, oh, Dinara. Yeah, my friend. I was like only thinking about indie music, but like Chicago is such a good scene outside of just like indie and rock. Like, so my friend Dinara Ariel is like one of the best neo soul singers I've ever heard. We're playing with her on um, Monday. On Monday. Um, oh, who did we play with at Reggie's? It was Geeked the Musical Geeked, Christian. Christian's Geeked. Band. The Mini Projects. The I mini love the Mini Projects Vanity Contest. I love Andy Brady is super cool. What oh, was that that show that the Reggies was that on like October thirtieth? Yeah. 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 Christian invited me to that, but I, I had I think I had a recording going on that day, so I couldn't go. But I, otherwise I would have gone. No I mean I'll take any excuse to see Calico Loco live. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, the mini projects is really good. I was I was sad that we didn't stay, but they we'll catch them again someday. I stayed, they were great. It was lame though. I don't <laughs> it was think, a really I don't think lame. You two had to or you had to go to back to the suburbs. Yeah. Oh I'm not forgetting any bands. I know. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you've, you've listed a lot. And it's a tough thing to do in the moment is list off a bunch of names because like I guarantee you about an hour after you leave here, you'll be thinking, I should, I should have said so many other people. And that should have been like obvious. But it's like, Oh, Eve Black. Eve Black is a cool band. But, um, I play keyboard in that band actually. So it's like, this is like nepotism, but they're cool. <laughs> it's like nepotism. It's like nepotism. Um, I just don't want to forget anybody. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to shout out any bigger bands. I'll only keep it small. Yeah, no. I, I could keep going for the Chicago bands. All the cool bands that we're best friends with that are famous, right? Yeah. No, I'm not. we're not friends with these ones. We're like, Slow Pulp is awesome. Oh, Slow Pulp. Davino Nino is awesome. I thought you weren't going to throw any names out. Well, now that I'm doing it, I'll keep going. <laughs> I can't stop it. You guys ever heard of Led Zeppelin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're good. Aren't they? They're pretty underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were talking about earlier that you know you all released a pretty consistent stream of music, um, especially throughout this year. There's been a bunch of singles. Like it, it seems like the one, the most, the most recent one, which is "I Want to Be Beautiful," um, that came out in what September, mm-hmm. something like that. And then prior to that, it was maybe all the way back to like May mm-hmm. and then like around the spring. So there was a bit, there was a bit of a. Because we were performing, we were preparing to yeah. perform live. It's a lot easier to record when the shows are. There's all no canceled. <laughs> we were just cranking them out, and now we're playing live, we're rehearsing, but, uh... Just tired. Yeah, we don't, we don't let you finish the question, sorry. Well, the, the end of the question is just what's been important about the release of each of these tracks over time. I, f- I feel like for when we started releasing, starting with Dreaming About Max in late December of last year... Um, onward, I feel like that's when we started getting actual fans, and that was important about each release, is that we'd have people that would actually reach out and like really like the music and really care about us, which was really strange for us, because before that, it was just more of people we knew, mm-hmm. and not 
just random people from the internet. My only fan was my mom. Yeah, it was like... (laughs) My sister didn't even like the music. (laughs) (laughs) But then, yeah, like, people would start reaching out to Danny. One person reached out to me one time because you posted about me working on Dreaming About Max. And just, like, I feel like that's when you started getting, like, fans. And it was... It was really cool to see, actually. It was really genuine. It was definitely... I kind of miss releasing songs so regularly because you would you would think like our last two songs, Spoken Word, was released and we had a couple couple months wait. Then we did uh, I Want to Be Beautiful and another month and a half of wait. You'd think like there'd be more like time to focus in on that song and those they would that they would mean more. But um, I think pretty much every song has been important to us. Some of the songs are like really old, like Minty Newport. I wrote that in like sophomore year of college it started as a poem for like a poem warm-up for a poetry class and then some songs like No Seas Tangerci I wrote in like I wrote that song in you wrote you started writing that right before we recorded Stargazers I got there to like record one of the vocal parts and Danny was like hey what do you think of this and I was like I like it and then it oh, yeah. turned into No Seas yeah. I finished I finished the song in less than a few hours, like lyrics and everything. Same with Stargate. Yeah, Stargate is really fast. And it's funny because those songs, we were actually working on other things. And like, like I think for Stargazers, we were going to release a song for Valentine's Day, which is still been released. Um, so I won't say what it's called. But um, <laughs> we d- it just wasn't coming together for whatever reason. Like, that it just didn't sound good to us. Um, and I just played this riff, and I was like, oh, let's let's finish this and I immediately share like guys do you like this riff and then I sent Zeke a demo I'm like I'm sorry the, the lyrics they're cheesy and Zeke was like oh don't apologize about being in love <laughs> and then I finished that song uh, that sounds like something Zeke would say <laughs> I'm trying to think I probably did or you something did? I, I think I have the message safe still it's reassuring <laughs> but like all the all the releases have been super important in their own way and we're trying to give the songs their own time to like shine and to like really focus on them I mean current spends probably like at least well he's we're getting better at it but like he would spend hours working on each song just like mixing them uh yeah I don't know I feel like No Seos to encourage you was probably one of the most important ones for us as collaborating as artists because mm-hmm. it was so because it was like a, a new one you know the other songs you pretty much had written before mm-hmm. and had more structure but this one was more free for us to yeah. do whatever with so that was really fun because it was like oh you had like the, the main setup and then um, like I did those like weird little jangles for the mm-hmm. chorus and then um, then Kern just went through at the end with that insane solo, solo and that was, was definitely like, the most collaborative song I think. yeah like so I think that one was really important because everyone kind of got to touch it and um, play with it as well most of the songs that we release it's usually like me and Zeke or me and Kern or just like like it's not like not usually everybody gets to work on a song which there's no reason why we're, we're, we don't do that. It just hasn't worked out that way. But that song specifically was great because everybody kind of got to put something on it. Um, the most Our new music is great because it's feeling more collaborative because, you know, Sarah's writing all the bass lines. I can't, I can't write a bass line to save my life. No, your bass lines are amazing. I literally haven't written one yet. Like, keep this in. I have not written a bass line yet. Well, the ones that... No, you haven't written one for the recorded music. But for the... Don't you play your own bass lines on the new songs? 
I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. You always like I'm excited. an idea, and I'm like, okay. I'm excited because I just wrote a song um, that everybody seems to like, but I didn't write any of the instruments except I just it's oh, it's yeah. complete. It's a complete blank canvas for everybody to I like that add their own stuff to. That one's really fun. <laughs> Wait, you don't like that one? I don't remember it. Oh, my brain is just like that. It's the one in uh, six eight. Like the 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 the. I mean, I know what six eight means. It's the one that sounds like. Did you know I majored in percussion? No, you know what I mean. It's like the I was. It's that's the song. I don't remember. I'll figure it out later. Okay, not everybody. Okay. Me too. I was probably on my period, that's real. Ah, that's rough. <laughs> anyway. So what do you have I'm yet sorry. to achieve? <laughs> you guys are all good. <laughs> we love each other. <laughs> good to know. So what do you have yet to achieve that you believe you are capable of? As a band or like personally? <laughs> yeah, as a band. Blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually true. I feel like we can blow up on TikTok. I don't know. I, I always, with questions like these, it's always like, oh, you know, I want to be humble. But, like, honestly, I just... No, don't be humble. I mean, like, I know getting popular isn't, like, isn't the goal, but, like, yeah, you know, kind of. I mean, I feel like I'd be lying if I said that wasn't something I'd like to yeah. achieve. I mean, of course, it's, like, something you want. As far as, like, realistic, I have no idea. It'd be nice to make money. Yeah. Like, we've finally reached the level where we're pretty sustainable, where we're, like, our merch, we're, like, not Danny still has, like, thousands of dollars in the hole. But no, like... I'm not that big in the hole. The first t-shirt order, I just was like, okay, we're going to throw in $500 in these shirts. Whereas now, whenever we get merch, it's, like, nice we can actually afford it because... No, say so house time candle. Oh yeah, we just made candles. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Instagram. They smell so good. They do. <laughs> I love it when bands and musicians create merch that's not just like t-shirts and albums <laughs> and stuff. When it's just like home goods. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite thing. We should make ladles. Well, yeah, when should we start making coffee tables? <laughs> that's just has, like, oh, that's a big step up. Yeah, comic books. <laughs> yes. The comic books would actually be really cool. That'd be cute. Yeah, I would love to see that. <laughs> Some things I think we can achieve that I hope we do um, is like a small tour. Um, and I think we can open up for a fairly decent sized band, like a mid sized band. I think we can open up for one for, and do a really good job. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Like if, if a local Chicago band that's like in that mid-range would want us to open for them, I think we'd kill it. And I think it's totally achievable. Yeah, I think yeah. we could definitely do that. I think it's good to always be keep setting small goals that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, I it, it's weird having this be a goal, but just, like, cause I hate, you know, money and capitalism. Is all, it all sucks. But being able to afford things with, like, you know, streaming and merch sales, like, that's a huge, like, that's a huge deal. Um, because like, you know, like Zeke wants to make a music video, it's like, those are expensive and you know, we can't afford to just throw in like a hundred bucks for our personal money to do that. But like, if we keep on growing, eventually we can, you know, I need my big budgets for the music video. Big, we, need, we need big label money. <laughs> yeah. And like, I try to, I try to think of this like from a realistic standpoint, like if we ever were to sign to a label, like what is a label going to be looking at? Like, is a label going to be looking at, is the band good? Is the band like... Like, no, they're probably going to be like, can this band generate money? And it sucks. And it's like terrible that that's like the state of art right now. But it's kind of a reality that we have to like balance with like 
goals like that, but then also goals like, are we making music that we want to make? Like, a goal that's more, like, artistic, I think we want to definitely write, like, a coherent EP, a whole album. I think that'd be a really awesome goal to achieve. Um, Can I say that that's our plan for this winter? I I think that's our plan for this winter. Not to release it this winter, but to actually write it and like we have so much music <laughs> so many songs <laughs> and right now right now we don't have a drummer we probably will soon but uh it's nice to not have shows at least for another month um we, we've already started fucking in january so we probably need a drummer soon <laughs> but like we have time to like sit back and write and you know when i was talking to current like a few, a few days ago and he was like no i'm really sad that we don't have a drummer right now but at the same time i'm happy that we could focus on writing music again yeah. Because I feel like the past six months, we've just been playing shows. Well, and it's also been like we had so much turnover. Because after Xavier mm-hmm. got off the of bass, I didn't have the confidence to say, I'm doing this right now. I waited. And so we had a sub bass. Mm-hmm. And so we were like getting him situated. And then I switched. Oh, yeah. And so then, like, we were just rehearsing so much because the bass player kept changing. And then Bex came and we were getting her situated. And then we were adding a song here and whatever. And so it was just like. No time to write because we were just mm-hmm. surviving. <laughs> but I think I guess we should probably shout out Veterinarian. Oh, yeah, Veterinarian. Yes, Veterinarian. Veterinarian. We love you. Great band. Also, Pork Boy. Really, pork Boy is yes. great, too. We, we gotta shout her out. We Pork Boy. <laughs> but, like, I think that's a really, like, I've been in bands where, like, a small roadblock like that happens, and that's, like, in a band. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've had so many roadblocks just with, like, turnover, you know, pandemic happened. We, like, somehow were still be stuck through it. Um, like, I feel like good bands kind of get through those roadblocks, and they always work with each other, and we do a really good job of doing that. So, you know, I could go on and on about how much I love everybody in this band. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. So this is the final question of the episode. As individuals, what do you think most people misunderstand about you personally? That I'm not playing a character. When I act super nervous on stage... <laughs> I feel like people um, tend to think this about me, which is kind of fair that I'm dumb. Because um, I, I have like a himbo sort of presentation of jock stuff. vibes. Yeah, I have jock vibes, but I'm actually a fairly intelligent young man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at math. If you ever need a tutor in calculus, hit your guy up. <laughs> it is It is interesting you bring that up because we're like, it, I, trying to judge the vibe of you. From the moment you walked in the door, um, I, I, I think uh, not that I had any sort of like any notions. I would have never thought that you were like an idiot, um, but you you are very relaxed and just kind of like I don't know, just a little bit a little bit looser. Mm-hmm. And so I would not have maybe attributed like somebody you're going to help somebody out with you know calculus or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Not to say that you'd be incapable of it, but it wasn't like the, the first place my mind went. Mm-hmm. So Sarah. Probably people think I'm an extrovert, and that's something I'm still working through. Because I need, I don't need to mask anymore. I can just be myself. I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I just want to sit with the dog. <laughs> Please just let me sit with the dog. <laughs> so now's the time for plugs. Uh, obviously, there's going to be more music coming out at some point down the line. Like, what's what's the next? What's the next time we're expecting a track to come out? Um, we will definitely. Depends on. I think we're going to wait to record until we get a drummer, but I don't think it will take long. I think we'll probably have a track out in January, 
And if not, we'll have two tracks out coming in February. Like, yeah, we actually have a lot of music ready to go, so... Can we say the title of the track? I don't know which song we're going to release yet. The... Nope, we're not announcing it. We're not announcing <laughs> it. We don't know which song we're releasing yet. But we will have new Sarah music. was the only one who realized that there was going to be no way for you two to communicate that information <laughs> silently to each other. I was trying to do it as best I could. By, by using the word the as an entry point. <laughs> I mean, actually, now that I think about it, we have the holidays coming up, but new music is happening, and even though it, like, I, we're definitely not going to release one song and then wait like a few months, I think we'll probably go back to having a lot of music coming out pretty fast. Yeah, once we're not turning over every three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Whoop, whoop, but yeah. And the EP is coming. We are working on a very short five, six song EP that will be out eventually. Yep. And we'll probably also release, you probably will release, um, this is, I gotta think over my words, I'm sorry. When we were releasing music before, we actually, this probably is answering an old question, I'm getting off topic, sorry. Um, Just keep going. <laughs> You're overthinking it. <laughs> I am. When we uh, so when we release music, one of the things that we wanted to do, um, and this is another thing going back to just like trying to market ourselves, make people listen to us. We were like very careful to not release a bunch of music at the same time. We actually recorded an entire album um, about a year ago in my garage. I think. Other than maybe it not being up to the quality that we want it to be, we didn't release it because we were like, oh, nobody's going to listen to this random band showing, like, 11 songs. Yeah, Yeah, one album. So it's just like, let's just release these songs month by month. Um, It it feels kind of dumb because it's like, from an artistic standpoint, I just like to release music for people to listen to. But it's like, if we release songs one by one by one, that that spreads out kind of the time that people are thinking about you. It's like there's no downtime. It's like you're constantly releasing. So I think we'll probably do that. When I say we're when we say we're gonna release an EP, we probably are going to release one song a month, hopefully for a few months, and then at the very end probably compile that into a like a cassette or I just saw somebody posted on DIY Chicago about there's like a new record cutting thing in uh, Chicago that cuts like lab records. I think that's we talked a little bit about that, so maybe a record will come out next year, like an actual LP, but I don't know. New music is coming. And what about future gigs? Yeah, it's all up in the air, kind of. We have a lot of we have a lot of shows um, that are like being uh, constructed right now for January, February, then one in April. Um, we had a show for in December actually on the eleventh. But the venue turned out to be, like, evil capitalists trying mm-hmm. to take more money than they should. So that's just... Like, I'm going to want to hear what venue that was after the record. Uh, we'll tell you after. I don't want to get blacklisted, so... <laughs> no, I'm but I, I am curious about these things because I, I do, over time, become slowly aware of which venues are maybe not the most friendly when it comes right. to... Uh, that's actually what happened for our Halloween show. We had a venue... We had the whole show planned in, at a venue at Pilsen. Won't say the name, but it was somewhere over there, and there was basically gave us two options. They were like, "Do you want to do a free show, and we'll just pay you?" Like, forget what it was. It wasn't a lot. It was like four hundred bucks for all the bands, which isn't a lot. But four bands. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a lot, but it's like it's not the worst thing I've heard of in Chicago. Or you know, you can just 
tickets, and you just take all the cut of that um, after you make one hundred dollars for the for the sound guy. And we were like, oh, we'll probably sell tickets. And we had the show booked. And then like three weeks before the show, we got an email. The promoter changed his mind. And for me, it's like all of our shows, the band has to pay in advance in case you don't recover enough money. So they wanted all the bands to pay, like all of us to, to totally chip in to pay $500 as like insurance if we didn't bring enough people. Um, and it kind of sucks because it's like, one, it's like, I think we would have been able to cover that, like, bring in enough people anyway, so it felt a little insulting that they, like, didn't... They would book us on a Saturday night before Halloween and then ask us to cover, like, the set, like, are they not confident on it in us, or are they just trying to take our money? Um, so we backed out of it. And then, thankfully, Brady from Bandy Contest, who actually works at Reggie's, he was able to move the show there. And, you know, I've, I'm not, I've honestly never really been to Reggie's before that night. It was thought of associated it as kind of like a like a family kind of bar place. But they took care of us. They fed us for free. They gave us they all so free drinks. Nice. And they, they got paid quite a bit. And uh, at the end of the set, I was totaling up how much we made. And I was like, something doesn't add up. We have more money. And I texted Brady. I was like, hey, we made more money than we should have. And he's like, oh. The owner, the guy who was running the, running the show that night, was so impressed with how many people that you brought, he, he added an extra 200-something bucks. Just, like, being kind, though it's, you know. Well, that's incredible. I like Reggie's. Good, good venues, good bands and good venues. That's really good to know, because I've never, I've never been there. I just know of it, but I've never... It's hard to get to. Yeah, that's the one thing. Driving <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's, like, almost by, like, Chinatown, right? That's yeah. kind of over in that yeah, area. Parking. We had to go... I parked in Chinatown. We, yeah, we went through Chinatown to... <laughs> we were turning left, and everybody was in the middle of the road. Oh, yeah. This, that was terrible. It's a weird spot, because, like, Chinatown's easy to get to, but Reggie's, it's, like, it's, it's like more south loop, but it's not near any public transit. I was so lucky. Like, I literally went around the block, and then someone left right in front of the venue, and I was like... <laughs> I drove for over an hour. I couldn't find the parking spot. <laughs> and eventually, like, I'm just going to go to Chinatown, and I'm going to walk. And I found a parking spot. And then, social media-wise, pretty easy to find Calico Loco. Yeah. Like, what, what are the handles? Um, Calico, so, Twitter is... Zeke runs our Twitter. It's... At Calico Loco, I think. Zeke is looking at his phone right now. It is at Calico Loco. At Calico Loco. I run our Instagram. That is at Calico.Loco. We have a TikTok. We all have our our personal TikTok accounts where we kind of do music-related stuff. But uh, Calico.Loco, Zeke's TikTok is... Uh, at Zeke does music. <laughs> does music. Pretty self-explanatory. And you got a weird username. What's yours? It's my art account. Like I don't actually do music on TikTok yet. That's something I'm working towards. But being in school, I can't focus on it. So I'm not even going to talk about it. You can plug it for plug art. Plug it. No, I can't. Plug it. Plug <laughs> it. Plug okay. It. We love your art. It's so good. <laughs> but my art isn't even on TikTok. Anyway, oh. it's dung bombs for life. So dung bombs like from Harry Potter, and then the number four, and then life with a Y. See, I told you I shouldn't have Harry Potter it. reference. Wait, that's you? That's me. Oh. So <laughs> this entire because uh, that's the same on Instagram. Yeah, that's as my well. Art account. I had no idea who it was this entire time. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's Good. fun. Dumb so Bombs for Life liked something. And I was to like, be like somewhat anonymous. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, my art account on Instagram, like, I'll share stuff from it on my personal account. So, like, it's not as anonymous as I would like it to be. But All right. We're on the Facebook. 
We're on Deezer. Man. We're on Roku Music. I don't even know what Deezer, Deezer is. <laughs> well, isn't Deezer like the distribution kind of a platform and also hosts some things? I'm not no, entirely sure how it works. No, that's uh, it's it's like an it's like Apple Music, Spotify. Oh, when so you, it is. When it is. you upload, it's always like oh, we're Spotify, on Apple. That's how you oh, buy our merch. And then Deezer. Bandcamp is our merch. If you want to no say us time candle. Or you Bandcamp. can just message me on Instagram and I will. And I'll do it anyway. And then we don't have to, we don't have, to have the uh, Bandcamp fees. That's true. Or you can do it on Bandcamp Friday. We owe Bandcamp so much money <laughs> in fees. Well, is there anything else that's what's worth mentioning going over before we wrap things up? Nope. Nope, I think we're good. We're sorry it took so long. Thanks Are you apologizing to me? It's part okay. of my character. I know. <laughs> And it's a beautiful character you've created. I've been working on it for a long time. That's a fucking masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, Danny, Sarah, and Zeke, thank you for being on Aux Populi. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. This has been so fun. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. you. (laughs) Are you doing ASMR? Thank you. We're on the mic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
Audio Podcast Network, visit us online at oxchicago.com.